What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts you here every single week. This is Mitch Oliver speaking, and with me as always... Uh, you are hearing the voice of Boozy. Boozy. It's so nice to see you. We're we're talking about 2022 in 2023. Yes, looking back on the past like we're not supposed to. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, this is... <laughs> This is the special episode that you let's be honest here. This is like our favorite episode of the year it's to record. So much fun. It, it's yeah. just it's just talking about, yeah. It's like when you get together with your friends, you're just like, my favorite movie is this and this and this. And then someone else is like, that's amazing. Let me tell you mine. Yeah, you can just be dorks and talk about all the shit that you loved from the previous year. So yeah, yeah. we we're a little bit late on this. I think this is gonna go up in the first week of February, but you know, but yeah, I think Boozy and I we were talking before we started recording that we're gonna just jump right into our top tens where it, normally we always talk about what we've seen, but uh this is gonna be a juicy one. We're gonna be talking about potentially 20 movies. After we're done our top tens, we're gonna share some, you know, uh emails that we received from some kind listeners, some comments, all that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll just see how we're feeling after this. But mm-hmm. I am personally predicting that we have three, maximum four movies in common this year. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because um, that just shows that's a testament to the wide range of horror that, you know, we cover on this show. Mm-hmm. And you and I, we have a lot of like similar tastes and everything. But this year has been so eclectic. There has been so many different kinds of horror. It's been an it was an incredible year for horror both financially and just the quality that we were getting. It's it's there's so many great movies to talk about, but it would be kind of boring if we had like the exact same top tens. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. I don't, I I don't think so either. Um, I, I just kind of want to say that. Yeah, I, I love that. We we do have a lot of this. There's a lot of similar things that tickle our brain. But at the same time, we go off in completely different directions. And I love that that comes back into like pulling into these these films that like I'm sure there's going to be one or two that on your list that I maybe I haven't heard of or didn't even they're not even on my watch list. And I'm going to throw them on there because that's also one of my favorite parts of the show not just for our, like our best of the years, but just in general, I think that's one of my favorite parts. And when we're talking to people, uh, you know, when we have guests on and stuff, it's just yeah. like, yeah, tell me some shit that I may not have heard of. Cause that's always exciting for sure. And I am going to spoil something for you, boozy. That is a recurring theme that happens every year. And I love that. I think that that's going to happen more for me this year from you than the opposite. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a single movie on this list that you haven't seen or um, heard of or heard of or are interested in right. but that's the i know you went like we were talking you went absolutely ham on shutter over the last couple of weeks so you've seen stuff that i haven't seen and i'm, I'm excited to just talk about it i yeah i uh I'm, I'm glad you noticed that i did i went ham on that i was like okay i want to do this right and i know that shutter is doing a great job at just throwing a nice little list together of like hey these are some of the best things of 2022 so i i tried to to if I didn't finish watching a film, I at least picked through it enough to be like, okay, is this, you know what I mean? Like, does this have the roots of something I'd want to watch? Oh, okay. I, do you do you ever do that? Like, I, no, I, no. There's <laughs> been times where I'll skim through something and then go back and rewatch it. Oh no, I I did that for that fucking resort movie I was talking about the other week. Yeah, the, yeah. No, I, I like. I'm sure I've done that before, but I tend to. It's becoming easier and easier for me to turn off movies that I don't love um, mm-hmm. that like mm-hmm. I automatically know aren't going to be for me. And I think that that is an incredibly disrespectful thing to do. But 
who who has time to see all this shit if you already know you're not going to like something you're not the right demographic for it if people like it fucking sweet you're not one of them you know like 100 like netflix has put out more stuff in the last like two years than like amount of time that i'll actually like be alive for sure you know like they just they keep putting everywhere keeps putting shit out i can't keep up with it i know and you know it was a reoccurring theme that we would always joke about like with diego and kyle and like you guys would always bug me you're like how do you watch all this shit well things have changed for me like this year i haven't been able to see as many things Mm -hmm. and i noticed that like you gotta be selective with your time totally and but that's the thing is like i'm excited to see the stuff that you took a shot on that you know i didn't even get to this year because i know Mm -hmm. i i know for a fact that you've seen more like underground horror this year than i have Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm stoked on that like i want to i want to hear the deets i want to know what's good and shutter baby i you know what i even fucking uh, not that anything i maybe one thing made up my list from there but i even went through like all of tubi's like horror of what they released in 2020 you always do that <laughs> just to see if there's another like the arbors in there shout out to clayton oh yeah yeah the arbors is great clayton whitmire what a great dude and yeah. very talented guy I really hope he's i hope he's working on something because uh, yeah that was a that was a yeah. shocker like you you put that one on my radar and i was like god damn this was actually really cool yeah it's <clears throat> and i think those ones are some of the ones that like make me the most excited because they're like the most excited to also talk to us if we can find them do you know what i mean yeah well they're people who are just you know like taking swings and trying to make independent films like what you and i are doing like we're, exactly. we're both on that avenue and let's quickly discuss how did you go about formulating your list this year because i think it should go without saying that we always just try to generally talk about our top 10 favorites the ones that mm-hmm. we enjoyed mm-hmm. the most my number one it isn't the standard like the gold standard on this was the best horror movie of the year it's my favorite horror movie of the year right um you know like how how did you go about it you know what i actually i it's funny i i think that i don't put any stock into this stuff but i really do and it, mm-hmm. a lot of it comes down to like for for me it's a big part of it is like like sticking power you know like staying power overall is you know from the start of the year to the end are there even certain scenes excuse me are there certain scenes that i can take away from a movie that just like stuck with me or like like plot points i find that some of that is really where i can say like okay this this is a a good film and then i can go back and go from there and a lot of it too is it's kind of funny to think about is just overall craftsmanship you you kind of take that into Mm -hmm. consideration but i also like to take into consideration like hey not everybody has like a you know like let's say like a jordan peele budget for stuff so yeah you know what what did they create with what they had and i think that's I don't know if that's something that everyone takes into consideration because the end of the day, it's just a movie and you're there for the entertainment factor. But I try and, you know, take consider a lot of these things in that. And at the end of the day, it is. It's just like, can this entertain me? Not even not just for the first time, but multiple times. I think that's why, you know, something that it stays on your list versus, you know, something that maybe just didn't make the cut because you're like, okay, it's a it's a good idea or concept or or, or film in general but it just doesn't have any staying power in your brain yeah yeah no totally and one thing i want to touch on before we kick off is uh this obviously like it was a this was a massive year for me um a lot of really exciting things happened thanks to you know the druids hand crew and yourself and tara and jesse and everything that happened with that um and the terra table listener base was a huge 
huge portion of who showed up for the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I want to, once again, I know everyone's tired of it. I'm going to try and not, you know, just talk about my own shit all the time, but I really appreciate it. And that did change the way I view movies. And mm-hmm. I'm sure the same for you, because you're on the same trajectory where you're trying to get your own films made and you're constantly working and that it changes the way that you watch movies. And this year has been insane for independent horror. And yeah. it's so exciting and it's so inspiring. And I want to say that, like, I chose to go with films that I enjoyed the most. And a part of my enjoyment might be the effect that they had on society and, like, mm-hmm. you know, audiences. But I do, with all the movies that I did choose, I do believe that they are actually just great movies as well. It's not just that they, you know, blew up at the box office. They're things that I enjoyed. Um, but if you don't mind, I actually kind of want to quickly run that down. Like, I wrote down four movies that just show you how huge horror is and how it's bigger than ever, particularly independent horror. Skinnamarink, a movie that we may or may not talk about, is mm-hmm. that movie had a $15,000 budget and is now made over a million dollars this year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it what? is going ham. It, Abs- it, you see it everywhere. Crazy, crazy. And it was a small little movie made in Edmonton, a small crew, and it's just unbelievable. Terrifier 2 was made for $250,000 and it made $13 million. I wrote this down a couple of weeks ago, so I'm sure it's even bigger now. Barbarian was on a $4.5 million budget and it grossed $45 million. Smile had a $17 million budget and made $216 million. That, that is, is, that's the crud, like, that's the big daddy of the yeah. year. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. It shows that people are showing up for things that like obviously 17 million dollars is nothing to scoff at that's a real budget but the fact that a movie like smile was such a cultural touchstone this year is so exciting and so like it feels validating for us you know starting this podcast six years ago as dorks and i know horror has always been big but i do believe it's bigger than ever and uh it's just really cool so yeah that's uh that's what i have to touch on before we get going okay yeah oh one last thing i did choose to leave three incredible movies off of my list that live kind of on the fringes of horror in order to make room to highlight movies that are just straight up horror movies um so i want to start by quickly shouting those out uh if any of these are on your list i will eat my foot uh because i totally respect having them on your list they should theoretically be on this list because these are all movies that definitely have heavy doses of horror but I just chose to like they're going to show up on my non horror list. Okay. Um, but that's Bones and All, Luca mm-hmm. Guadagino's Bones and All. I fucking love that movie. It's gorgeous. Very strange of me to not have that movie in particular on this list because it ticks off so many of my soft spots. It's a road movie. It's beautiful. Um, it's the young love and all this turmoil that goes with them being monsters. Uh, it's just awesome. I love that movie. The menu was amazing. I really had a lot of fun with that. And, uh, I don't know if I'm going to end up talking. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just not normally like an eat the rich kind of guy. Like those right. movies don't always do shit for me. Uh, but that one surprised me and it was a lot of fun. But I do feel like it definitely has heavy doses of horror. But I don't know if I call it a horror movie. And I'm, I respect people who would, but I don't know if I would. And the last one is Holy Spider, the Iranian serial killer movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet. No, that sounds fu- even dude, that title sounds fucking tight, dude. It is. That was a powerful, excruciating watch at times. I think it will be up your alley, but it is a yeah. true story about an Iranian serial killer who was, I believe, the spider killer 
and oh. he was killing sex workers and he like killed 16 sex workers within the span of a year and that's like the the violence that you see it was one of those movies that i thought that it was going to be more kind of like signs of the lambs where it's more about the investigation rather than the killer because right, people are more whimsical in that way like i don't know less gr- like it, it to me i and don't let this scare you off because i it has similarities but it's not straight up like it but it's more of like a henry or an angst or something like that where you're kind right. of like dude the killer is in 80 percent of the movie and the scenes where you watch them kill people and it's it's really hard to watch and disturbing because it's so real and especially knowing that this actually happened it was a very very powerful movie and i do recommend it but it uh it won't be on this list because i just i don't know i just feel weird i want to i want to highlight the like i want to highlight stuff that's like it's undeniable that this is a horror movie you know what i mean right so that's where i went with but i can yeah. appreciate it. i don't really have any that i didn't leave off my list because one particular reason or another um i do want to give like a quick little shout out i know it wasn't the like best movie but it was a pretty serviceable little film and we talked about it uh as like a sidebar on a couple episodes or a couple episodes ago but like a shout out fall for just being a tight <laughs> little movie about being stuck in a place yeah it was a fun time it's oh it's available wide now on netflix yeah i don't yeah, know it's, it's a- just like it, it's not fucking groundbreaking but that, that was a fun little watch yeah, I had and, fun with it and honestly that movie could be in the same ca- like it obviously didn't clean up the way that um, terrifier barbarian smile all mm-hmm. those movies did but that movie was initially not meant to be the big release that it was so um yeah that's just that's one of those movies that kind of ticks off some of our soft spots that we we like those survival horror movies with really agitating annoying characters that make dumb decisions but it's fun it's just a goofy fun time it, it's fun watching other people be in scenarios you know that you would make just as equally bad decisions oh i wouldn't there's no way i would i would never make half the decisions that those idiots and fall made <laughs> but that's part of the fun of it that's you true know? but yeah without further ado let's let's kick off debuzi can you since i've talked so much do you want to lead off with your 10 your number All 10 right yeah fuck yeah let's let's you know what let's finally get down to business i just want to for the listeners uh we're a little extra excited about this just because we've tried to record this like what is this yeah three weeks in a row we're just shit kept coming up and you know what so we were so excited the other times to do it as well and it you know it'll just get stopped like last minute so i'm fucking pretty stoked to get this going yeah Uh, all right anyway so my number 10 here uh this is a film that i will say i'll give props to mitch he he threw this one out there that i should check it out and i did and i enjoyed it so much that it made number 10 on my list so that is john hyams sick Um, isn't that 2023 i thought that was this last year Uh oh (laughs) is it not i'm pretty sure that's 2023 oh my Um, god if it is hold on a sec i'm gonna edit all this out if it is no no keep it in that's (laughs) that's fun but you might just have to oh no it says 2022 yeah i thought it was 2022 yeah okay well maybe it was available you know what we're kind of loose on the on the dates because we've done shit that's like been independent that we just finally got so yeah okay no (laughs) no cool man i'm go for it all right. Um, you know what? It, it made the list after slight amounts of debate. Uh, <laughs> so this was a 
Blumhouse film, and it, the plot is: due to the pandemic, Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone, or so they think. <laughs> or so they think. So they think. Uh, it was written <laughs> written by Kevin Williamson, the the man yeah. who created Scream, and you know, I know what you did last summer, Dawson's Creek, horror legend in his own right. So. Have you seen this yet, Mitch? Yeah, man, I, I really liked it. <laughs> I had a lot of I was surprised by how much fun I had with it. I didn't I, consider it as a 2022 movie, but that's my bad because I thought that since I saw it in 2023, it was right. Yeah. Y- your perception of time threw you off on that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I, I think that this is very interesting. It's it's really uh, interesting even being two I guess three years now out from like when the pandemic kind of started because this film is shot at the start of is, is or, sorry it was entirely shot during the pandemic and a lot of it at the start is kind of dealing with it and that's kind of a plot line throughout is these little moments like they they talk about like you know putting on a mask there's some really funny build-ups scenes where people asking people to put on masks i thought was Man. was kind of clever and just something you haven't seen in, in a while one scene like the movie's pretty straight-faced uh, yes. which i which i appreciate about it but at a certain point it does give in to how ridiculous it all is and that's what makes like that's something i like about it but there is a scene where you know a character in trouble trying to get into a car being like let me in just like do you have a mask no i don't have a fucking mask it was so much fun. I was laughing my ass off in like the last half hour of the movie. And I think that was the the goal for them. But yeah, um, I also I really appreciated that the the killers themselves was was, uh, was kind of an interesting little spin with with where they went with that. And, and I like that it, it wasn't an overly complicated story or like character design. You just have a yeah. couple people are in Belaclava's. Yeah. And it, it's a slasher movie that shows the kills. Mm-hmm. all i ask like, if i'm gonna watch a slasher movie let me see that carnage baby and and you do in this one there's some pretty visceral brutal kills in this one yeah i was i was really impressed with it yeah yeah i had a lot of fun with that one cool well yeah so uh boozy's number 10 sick uh sweet well carrying on with tradition of that my number 10 actually sort of ties into that and it's uh yeah my number 10 is scream so mm-hmm. it is the the latest Scream Five from uh, Radio Silence, the the guys behind Ready or Not, and you know some of the VHS segment, one of the VHS segments. Look, man, I I know this movie is not amazing by any means, and I'm gonna be honest. I think I would rank it probably as my fourth favorite in the franchise, uh, which I should get the elephant out of the room. I I do need to apologize for my well documented vitriol for Scream Four over the years. Because yeah, you really you really dogged Kyle on that one, too. I dog and I dogged the movie, but it was this year, 2020 or last year, 2022, that Scream 4 clicked for me. And it was like in my I was doing my annual, you know, not even annual. I watch those movies. I watch that whole franchise at least once, at very least once a year, sometimes twice. Um, I was so excited for Ghostface to return and to have this had returned to Woodsboro and you know I've made it no secret how big of a fan I am of this franchise there's realistically there's only one movie in the whole franchise that I don't care for and even that one has some fun moments that scream three uh but this one it was just yeah man the, the gang was back it it brought back high school 
like the high school establishing shots with like pop punk playing shout out alkaline trio and creeper were in the soundtrack i felt so like over the moon when i was watching that because it brought me back to my youth and scream was a big reason why i am a horror fan today and though this one didn't do anything really that different it's you know it was pretty predictable i knew who the killers were from the get-go that's not me thinking i'm smarter than everyone else it's if you watch the scream movies they do follow a kind of template um and it's it's fairly easy to pick out who might be the killer um which is one of the reasons i like the second one so much because the stupidity of who the killer is is part of what I, why i love it it's mm-hmm. just it's shocking but the meta self-referential stuff that it touches on it it felt feels a little more on the nose and i think this is one that some people you know loved and i think a lot of people are really underwhelmed by and i think both camps are are valid in those feelings but i think we're living in a time where horror is bigger than ever and I don't know how you can debate that. You just, you know, you look at what I talked about before with the box office reports of those movies. People who aren't horror fans are watching horror now. Like people who you would have never guessed to see the movie like The Babadook have seen The Babadook. So it feels, I understand why people would feel weird about them talking about all that stuff, but it's, it's the vein of the movie. It's the vein of the franchise and what it hinges on. And I had so much fun watching it and I gave it another watch and, it, it made me tear up when I when I saw it, you know, because it it did something with a, a main character that I am very attached to. He's kind of a part of my childhood at this point. And and uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it worked for me. I had a lot of fun with it. I am putting it at number 10. It just squeaked by some really good movies are left off the list because I put this one here. But I'm, I'm a Scream fan, so I'm excited for the next one. I think the trailers look great. Ghostface is more brutal than ever in this one. That's something I'll give scream five is that uh it really upped the ante with the kills are just horrendous at moments and uh yeah i I had a lot of fun with it i I think uh if i can just kind of talk about this one i don't have a scream on my list it nearly was on here but i i that was an honorable mention but yeah i i did appreciate this this or last year was a strong year for uh franchises in general but yeah i do appreciate what scream did and yeah they really they notched the violence up big time and yeah they they weren't they weren't afraid to shake up their cast which is is something good and i think even moving forward now they you know uh, partially because nev didn't want to be a part of it but they've they've switched directions with where they're going and well, yeah i think nev nev was like lowballed hard which is one of the reasons i i was honestly hesitant about how i felt because i've always said i'm not interested in seeing a scream movie without sydney prescott and they have officially done that. And then the trailers came out. I'm like, you know what? This looks fucking awesome. Like, it looks super fun. Uh, Ghostface is turning more and more into John Wick every day. <laughs> I know. And I'm here for it. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking forward to that one. I, th- I think that comes out like next month. But I think one last thing I want to say about it, too, is. And funnily enough, this is a, a common thread between Sick and Scream is it touches on things that people are sick of right now and no pun intended that's COVID. like i have i hearing i know that we're going to get a lot of movies that are going to touch on the pandemic because that's just it was a huge part of the world and you know it impacted and it it's going to inspire a lot of cool stories but with scream five it really delved into and leaned deep into the legacy sequel thing that became the whole crux of the movie is you know referencing star wars and what they did with halloween and how 
that's just the world that we live in. And it's gotten really old and stale at this point. And them commenting on it doesn't freshen it up. It might just drive the nail even deeper for people who are annoyed by it. But I think this one with some time in between it, I'm just predicting now. I think this is going to be one that people are going to look back on. You know, once we're a little bit further away from the whole legacy sequel trend, I think Mm -hmm. this one's going to get better over the years because, you know, and it also gave us this was the first appearance of the year. Jenna Ortega, who took over the world this year among Mia Goth as well, who's not in screen, but it's the year of Jenna Ortega and Mia Goth. Like they crushed it this year and she's so good in it. Um, Jack Quaid is always fun. Uh, Dylan Minnette is great. I know we both love that guy and his, his scene was a, a, a show I, I feel he was a little bit underutilized, but yeah, we, we both love him and it was just nice having him in the film for sure. And I think we feel that he's underutilized because you like him so much. You want to exactly. see more of him. You want to see more of him, but that, that makes it kind of a understandable decision to do what they did. Uh, Cause it makes you feel, yeah, no one's, no one's fucking safe in these movies, but yeah, I, re- I really like scream. So that's my number 10. Uzi, let's go with your number nine. Let's also, I think we're all over the place today, as always. We didn't mention that if we have a common movie, if one of us, like, say your number nine is on my list, yeah, we'll say hold and move on and we'll yep. touch on it once it comes up on our respective list. Yeah, just so we're not uh, having another person or the, the person who has to follow it up feel like they, they can't add anything to the conversation. <clears throat> all right, so this is another one of my my shutter bounty halls here. Uh, so on the Rotten Tomatoes for it, it says it comes out, came out in 2020, but uh, we just got it over here in 2022. So uh, this is All the Moons, directed by Igor Lagaretta. Lagaretta. You did it. I'm calling it a success. <laughs> yes. Big W's all around. I have not seen this one, Boozy. I think you know what I feel like this is right up your fucking alley. So it sounds uh, like it. Uh, so this is a film uh, set in the 19th century in northern Spain. Uh, it's during a war. A little girl is rescued from an orphanage that's being bombarded by a a, a gypsy a gypsyish gypsy ish woman <laughs> with a strange path past and uh, a little bit of a curse. And you kind of you you figure out as you go what's going on with all these characters and it is amazing i want to i want to say that i think you're really you have to see this you'll 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 dig it it's a very stylistic i don't want to give away what it actually is because that's kind of the big part of the film is you unraveling and finding out what these characters have become but it is it is great i i think period piece films can be difficult to go with uh, you know to deal with and i think they did a great job of this film and it's a lot of it's built around uh this young actress i can't remember her name who did terrific um i think her name's hazy in in like real life but fantastic little actress who who put together this performance of like this girl growing up and trying to figure out where she fits in in this world that she uh didn't want to be growing up in yep this top of my list now um, this looks awesome, man. I didn't, I don't know how this one slipped past me. I never even heard of it. 
Oh, that's awesome. It's beautiful. I think you're going to have a great time with it. Anyone who enjoys those, I, I, you know, I think for lack of a better term, the kind of whimsical, like a 24 ish films, this is, this is going to be right up here. Yeah. I love, I did say that I think this is going to be our most different year with each Mm -hmm. other. Like I feel like our lists are going to be very different, but so far our lists follow, like you chose a slasher. I chose a slasher. You chose a like period piece kind of creepy moody movie and so did i um so i'm excited to talk about that but man that sounds awesome uh yeah right at the top of my list all the moons what country is this from it's spain i believe spain yeah yeah it's spain cool i live in spain without the s and did you see this on shutter (laughs) yes it is on the the best shutter i love i love shutter so much but let's let's fix that uh that algorithm on that oh. app because like I, I this movie's not even on my radar and i'm on that i'm on that app every single day that's that's where it, it sucks because this is so up my alley also yeah if if someone from shutter happens to listen to this fix your fucking playstation app it is <laughs> it is trash i have to read know they had it yet they they do but it like it does this thing where it like error codes itself after watching something like so many times so you can like log in and watch something like two or three times and then it just gives you this error message so you have to delete it and re-download yeah. it and it's all this bull i know nobody finds this interesting no but it's, it's just it's, it's really to me. fucking annoying i i straight up bought I, like i'm a guy who's technologically illiterate and mm-hmm. um so i bought a chromecast because i was tired of having to plug my computer in every time i wanted to watch Shutter. right Right, right. Um, I hate how you feel like an old person plugging in a computer now. It's I know. Like, this thing's still fucking state of the art, but <laughs> nope. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay. Uh, well, my number nine is a movie that I, there's a chance it might be on your list. So if it is, we'll mm-hmm. pause and we'll touch on it when it gets to you. But my number nine is a little gothic period piece called The Cursed. Uh, that is higher up on my list. Okay. Yes. All right. So we'll return oh, to it. So can it? <laughs> yeah, we're going to can it. Um, number nine. Yeah. So I chose the cursed. We will touch on that once we get to Boozy's where, where it is on Boozy's list. Yes. All right. So I think you're on to number eight, buddy. Yes, sir. Uh, so my number eight, which I believe is a to be original, uh, is James Nunn's, not James Gunn's, uh, Sharkbait. Sharkbait. Yes. I I know that that people are gonna be like, come on, man. They, but they, no, they know you, and the, you, like you know your boy. Yeah. Um, I just have to say, th- this film has a couple really good scenes that, like, there's there's a competence underneath here that that I think uh, probably most people wouldn't consider when when going into a, a shark film like this. But uh, there's there's a couple cool hom- homages to to you know your films like like Jaws, your classic Jaws, or like a Deep Blue Sea. I mm-hmm. think the the actual uh, shark design is actually fairly serviceable, which is a we always talk about is a big issue with these shark films. But yeah. it's it's pretty decent, and uh, I I think I, I convinced you to watch this, Mitch. Yeah, you you did, and if I'm gonna be complete, you know, like my favorite movie of all time is Jaws. I love yep. you. You and I connect on nature on mock movies. Uh, this one it slipped my mind when thinking about my list, but that doesn't mean I like I had, I remember I had fun with it. And I remember being pleasantly surprised because this is a movie like most of these shark movies or nature run amok movies. 
a lot of people are most likely just going to skip right over when they see the poster art. Yep. Um, but this one, I do, I do remember there were moments that they did a few things differently and the shark design looked cool and it was fun. Like, yep. And, and that's, that's really all you can ask for with, with, uh, yeah. with your nature run amok films. But yeah, exactly. I think there was, a, there was enough here that, yeah, it, it made my list. I am so happy and proud to be behind a podcast that includes movies like shark bait in their top 10. So, and that's not, that's no shade on the movie or you it's a, it's a side of the, the genre that doesn't get enough love. And I'm happy that we represent it. Oh, I, I, totally, I totally agree with that. I think that, that, uh, the one thing we can pat ourselves on the back for is we don't just watch the same things. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I mean, we do whenever we're in a pinch and we don't know what to do our first instinct is always to go to let's do like remember when diego left the show we're like let's do a shark episode and then when kyle left the show we're like let's do a crocodile episode that was that was us like getting over it yeah they're like we we, we therapeutic we dubbed uh these nature run it like these cheesy not even like some of them are like i remember shark bay wasn't even that cheesy but uh they, these are our breakup movies. <laughs> yeah, are, yeah, exactly. They're our yeah. comfort movies. Um, awesome. Okay, cool. So Shark Bait is Boozy's number eight. My number eight, man. Oh god. So I'm kind of dreading. To- I'm dreading, but excited to talk about this one because I know your stance on it, and I don't know if you know mine. My number eight, Skinnamarink. Really? I all right, all right. Fucking loved it, and I have never been more understanding of both sides of people thinking that this is the worst movie ever made and then right. people thinking that it is the greatest i totally get it and i'm not gonna lie and say that the movie worked for me from start to finish this movie requires patience and yes dedication from its audience and it it it's one of those and i know people have said this before and i feel like it's kind of a it sounds mean to say it, but I'm personally not meaning it to sound mean, but this, it's not a movie. Like this, this isn't a, it's like, an experiment on it's, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it it's totally, an experience, I guess it is 100% an art film that mm-hmm. is something that it's the reason that I was, why I went to it is because I heard from you saying like, and I'm not meaning to throw you under the bus, your part, there's a lot of people out there who feel the same way as you. Like, honestly, I think most people didn't connect with it and were painfully bored mm-hmm. by it. But then I had a few people being like, this movie is fucking incredible and it scared the shit out of me. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta go see it. So I did. And man, like I am not, I'm so desensitized from horror at this point. It takes so much to scare me. The stuff that has scared me over the years has been like brutal violence and stuff that feels real. And like, you know, like that could actually happen. This one, this is a conversation that comes up every time anyone talks about it. So there's nothing you're going to hear me saying that you haven't heard somewhere else if you've been keeping up with the release of this film. But it truly did creep me the fuck out. Uh, By the end of it, I was so engrossed and so into it that I was doing the whole like, you know, when you have your your foot hanging off the side of the bed and then you pull it in underneath the blankets. I that's how it was for me. It brought back repressed memories of my childhood being waking up in the middle of the night at a friend's at either your house where you want to go and you got to find your parents and it, it puts you in the mindset of a four year old. I think that's brilliant. Like It's brilliant. And 
it reminded it brought back memories of me staying at like shout out my friend sean elliott he was my first friend i would go for sleepovers at his house that was the house that i saw star wars at for the first time but we'd have sleepovers and there were a couple times where i woke up in the middle of the night and i just pissed myself because i was so scared <laughs> like i would like i think i've talked Wait, about was that this. like a conscious i just have to ask like was that a conscious decision like you're like i'm afraid i have to piss no, myself was or you just, just you involuntarily you're like I was I'm four. Being my, okay yeah it's one of those like this is straight up it's partially a repressed memory i think i might have talked about this on the show before but my dad was the guy who always had a camcorder on his hand while we were right. growing up so we have like he got all of his like he was like a main character in like every found footage movie that's exactly like dude we have a dvd binder at my dad's house he got all of those tapes transferred over to dvd and we have thousands and thousands of hours of our childhood recorded and my dad received a phone call from my friend sean's parents saying hey mitch had an accident you got to come pick him up because i pissed myself and my dad (laughs) his response you know what he fucking did he grabbed the video camera went like the house was a couple doors down we lived on the same street and there's a video of me on those dvds like you know doing the whole crab walk like where you know when the piss was burning (laughs) burning your thighs and I had pissy pants. I was crying. And I'm walking and my dad's laughing his ass off behind the camera being like, Mitchell, what did you do? And I'm just crying. And I'm like, that that memory came up while I was watching Skinner Marine. Um, But yeah, it's just like, man, this movie, it really like this. <laughs> sorry. Um, it's just like it's not, like I'm waiting for you to, for the part of the story where your dad like bullies you. Where he's like, Mitchy pee pee pants. Well, that, that, that pretty much is what he exactly what he was doing. But yeah, like I said, it has never been easier for me to understand the polarizing reactions that this movie has had. And I think both sides are totally valid. Um, but I just think like, I love the audacity of releasing this movie. But I think that the director, he, he made this movie for $15,000 in his family home in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And the reach it had, which I think is partially, you know, because of TikTok, like he managed to get it on TikTok and went viral uh, or like clips from it. And man, it's... Uh, it's the like you're staring into the void with this movie. And I, I do think it's too long. I will admit that. I think, you know, because it's at an hour and 40 minutes. I but at the same time, I think part of the reason it works so well at the end is because you're either completely lulled over by what you're seeing. You're almost in a daze. You're watching this really shitty lo-fi footage of really unconventional camera angles of like a ceiling. And then it but you're like hold held on to it for so long that you almost you almost the movie almost makes you stoned like it it really like you have to be patient for this movie and uh, i hope i'm making sense here but yeah man this movie brought up memories of pre-divorce <laughs> oh bd times yeah, bd i do yeah like i and i will say uh you know this is already being recorded so i will say 100 percent on what if i'm able to get my next movie off the ground if i'm able to do what i want to do I'm 100% ripping the sound design of this movie off. A couple, there's a couple moments where I thought the sound design was something I had never heard before. And it was so, so engrossing. And so like it's that it delves into the ASMR, you know, like the, the kids whispering behind the camera was so creepy. Yeah, I, I will give it give it that that was there was a couple creepy parts using that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it just, man, it really worked for me. Uh, I do want to give a special shout out slash rest in peace to the YouTube channel slash the guys behind making, I'm not sure if, have you ever heard of the back rooms? I had never heard of like this. the concept of it. 
like I, I had never even heard the term the back rooms. Yeah. Um, so it's like a VR. Is it VR? like what it's on YouTube? If you look up, I know the, the account is Kane Pixels. Basically, though, Kane Pixels has been making Skinnamarink for years, <laughs> doing the exact same thing. And this movie comes out and it's it's the, it's so similar. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy is so crushed right now because Skinnamarink made over a million dollars at this point. He's been doing it for years. It's yeah, the same like, kind I, of concept. I, I got your Skinnamarinks out back here. I got like 40 yeah, of them. It's Skinnamarink at home, but not even. <laughs> like it's it's crazy though like uh i think the overall concept of the back rooms is just like when you're in a video game and you fall into like a dead space and it takes you into like a room that you're not meant to be in and you're stuck in it because like the whole you know plot uh the plot behind skinnamarink is that these two kids wake up in the middle of the night to look for their dad their dad they can't find their dad and all their windows and doors are disappearing in their house and they're stuck in it and i don't man it brought back it obviously, and I'm, I know a lot of people are, they loosely throw out the term Lynchian anytime something is weird, but this totally is a feature length, like Lynch fever dream slash mm-hmm. Gabe from the office making films. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, we're cutting into the cake and there's blood coming out of it. I'm like <laughs> I got that vibe from Skinnamarink. So uh, I have been excited, but also dreading talking to you about this because I know, I know how you felt about it. Um, but and I totally get it. But yeah, man, it. I, I really liked it. I, I, I want to be nice to it because yeah, like I, I love, I love what it's doing and where it's going. I think that's great overall. You know, it's the yeah. the this fucking the big waves make all the ships happy. Whatever the fuck yeah. that that saying is, but uh, <laughs> um, I, it just yeah, it really wasn't for me. Um, it it made me just kind of at a certain point tune out and think about like home renovations just because I saw so much like moldings and stuff. It was like, fuck, I gotta like, (laughs) I gotta paint this. I gotta change the, you know, it just, yeah, it, it didn't do it for me and I wasn't scared. I know that I've seen, you know, not only yourself, I've seen a couple of people talking about it, that it was like genuinely creepy and they really enjoyed it. And it's like, that's awesome because yeah, it is so different, yeah. but it just, it just wasn't for me. And yeah. you know, that that's, uh, there's plenty of room at the table for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love what this movie has done for, for the landscape of horror. I am so excited to see what this director does next because he can't follow it up with the same, the old, <laughs> One thing I'll say, that's a tough position to be in, I got to say. And I I was talking about this with a couple of friends last night is uh, the only thing, the worst thing that could come out of Skinnamarink is going to be Skinnamarink imposters, like people who try and do this like, man, this better not become a trend because this is totally lightning in a bottle. Don't don't get the idea. They just kind of see like the the structure of it. Yeah. Well, they see that they're like, oh, well, we don't even need to like we could just use any camera and just we don't got to pay anybody. We could put it on a wall and, you know, have a couple whispers. And it's like it is lightning in a bottle what this movie has been able to accomplish. Uh, I don't want to see Skinnamarink imitators. I think that's what I was going to say, like, even for someone who who did enjoy it, like, do you want to watch three or four other films that are kind no, of like I'm this? Going like... to be honest, I, I think this is going to be one of those ones. I I'm going to try my best to not watch this movie for another 10 years. Like, right. I, I want to this is one of those ones where it could be a fun like, you know, this is I know it played at the at uh, the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival this year. But that's, this is a yeah, prime, that's where I saw it. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, something I'm 
I'll just quickly touch on it. I we have the Rio Theater here, which is the most. It's the best. It's broad. It's Vancouver's Broadway Theater, and it's yeah, a movie it's like named I went, after that. Uh, that the movie, movie with the parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I went <laughs> since the last time we were recorded. I've been to a midnight movie, and then I went to see the John Carpenter's The Thing on Wednesday, and it was That's at nine 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 p.m. on a Wednesday, and that place was fucking sold out. It's crazy. And like people who go to the Rio, they are so um, they they really interact with the movies, sometimes for better or worse. I saw Freddy vs. Jason there, too. I think that's a perfect movie where you can make fun of it and joke through it. Yeah. Have fun with the crowd. Didn't love the laughter and a lot of the thing. Um, there's parts of that where I was like, uh, you guys come like this. Some parts are funny, but let, let's calm down. I think, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's where a, it's this not is precious. that funny. Yeah. yeah, this is precious for me. So. But like the Skinnerink played before Freddy vs. Jason when we went. We went to the midnight Freddy vs. Jason. And man, now the, that the... is a weird. <laughs> well, it, it they weren't connected. It was just playing at the theater. But the yeah, audience, but like I couldn't imagine. Leaving, yeah, that was before I had seen Skinnerink. And that's what really convinced me to see it, because I was like, you know, we're waiting in line and all these people are coming out. And some of these people, they looked like pale white, like they had mm-hmm. never like they literally had just seen a ghost. And then other people being like, how the fuck did you drag me out to this? Like people were pissed. Um, and I, I love that. I love the polarizing opinions and reactions that these movies can have, but spending too much time on it, loved Skin and I recommend it, but I do think this is a movie though. If you're going to try it, you have to, if you're going to watch it at home, you got to turn all the lights out. You got to throw your phone into another room. You got to let the movie work. It's magic. This is a movie that if you pull your phone out, even for one second, it could ruin what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that's not for everyone. I understand that. But if you're going to have an opinion on it, at least watch the movie. Uh, that's yeah. But yeah, so that was my number eight. Boozy, what's your number seven? All right. That was, you know, I'm glad we finally got to talk about that yeah. film because yeah, I, it, it is kind of, it, it snuck up as the biggest talking point of 2022 in a weird way. You know how, you know, that like scene from Big Trouble in Little China where the head starts to ballooning up that's how i have been feeling every time i talk to you because i'm like i want to talk about this but i think i should save it and honestly it was originally i was like this can't be higher than my number 10 like it's going to be on my list but it can't be higher right and then it's been lingering for me and that's why it's that's why it's a little higher i Uh, like that and I, i think that you know what the the great tradition of um time capsules has really been lost so what we need to do is get a copy of skin and and we need to bury it somewhere yeah and you go back in the 10 years like let's let's bring back uh yeah burying things in the earth but let's put a label on it saying this is what the liberals don't want you to see (laughs) (laughs) the liberal cuck agenda all right let's move on so let's go to our our number seven number seven all right so this one i i just want to i want to preface this before we get started talking about it this is a shutter original i want to say that uh given a little bit of time and probably another watch this film is going to land way higher for me but you know even it's giving me the warm rumblies even right now as winnie the pooh would say um so (laughs) my number seven is uh sissy directed by hannah barlow and kane scenes yes yeah i finally did i did check it out it's not on my list but i'm excited to hear you talk about it i i think this is part of like a new generation of self-aware fun horror movies there there's something so genuine about uh 
some of the aspects that goes into this film kind of talking about um you know people being narcissistic and how social media works and just you know growing up too and kind of those concepts that all of us this universal like everybody's had a friend that just kind of didn't work out for one reason or another and you feel a little scorned about it kyle zervinsky yeah like <laughs> fuck, fuck you and diego you bastards you left us yeah love <laughs> we're not we're not upset about it at all yeah um but nothing but yeah. love bro yeah <laughs> it's it's uh it's just yeah that i that's kind of there's a weird vicariousness to this film that and uh i think aisha d who is the main character of this is phenomenal i it's it's very hard to have a character who is so layered be genuinely like sweet the entire time because her character goes through so much and the entire time i was rooting for her and there are certain times when you feel like you really shouldn't be um but yeah overall this like this movie is i i think that's something i can't stress enough and i i know it's always a dumb buzzword i use but like fun is watching these are the kind of horror movies that you can really enjoy like when yeah. you when you see the kills coming you know uh they're they're genuinely like they're still really fucking gruesome but they're they're hilarious in a weird way and and they you know they the how they deal with social media is super funny i just yeah i can't say enough good things about sissy and i I feel like giving a little bit more time and another watch this is gonna be way higher because yeah Yeah. i genuinely it, it makes me smile that's awesome yeah i love and i love that about you too is something that's we've talked about this year a lot is like you don't see like we say we have said a couple times that you don't seem to like those goofy horror movies but the thing yeah. is you i think it's this movie has that tone from beginning to end whereas i think you're just not as into like the tonal shifts mm-hmm. of some some horror comedies like evil dead 2 or drag me to hell stuff like that and that's totally understandable but i love that you because dude you're a hilarious guy and of course well, you like comedy you. yeah you like comedy horror and like this movie, I, I did enjoy it. It's, it's, I'm going to say, it's just, it's not, I think it's just not for me right now because mm-hmm. I'm so tired of like the, I, I, are you in serious a, Mitch mode? No, no, not, a, not even <laughs> slightly, not even slightly. It's just this type of horror. I understand the appeal and I contradict myself because there's some, this is coming from, you're hearing this from a podcaster, but the whole like, social media influencer thing is getting really, really tiring for me. Mm-hmm. And like the having to follow unlikable YouTubers and stuff like that, like that stuff just annoys me. But at the same time, I had a lot of fun. It's not on my list, but I had a lot of fun with Deadstream this year, which did exactly the same thing, actually even more in your face than Sissy. Um, but there's just something about it. This is one I will go back to it eventually. I know that people are really enjoying it. And I'm happy that you had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also want to give a shout out to Deadstream. I did fin- it did not make my list, but Dude, yeah, that's that a was, fun ass movie. Like it was, it was pretty fucking fun. It, they do a great job of acknowledging like how fucking absurd and just annoying, yeah, uh, social media people can be. Totally, but I think, and that's you know, just now talking about this, I'm like, I feel like I should have put Deadstream on my list because <laughs> I thought that that was what made it work. Was yeah, he was annoying, but he was so clearly, obviously annoying. Like, mm, yeah, I was I found it like I feel like he was making fun of himself, like the actor was making fun of it. And he's the director and writer as well. Yeah. 
um i had a lot of fun with that stream but uh but yeah, it's yeah that's, those... a, that's super endearing film i agree yeah but that was a that's a tough sell for me though like when you when you put that down on paper like a youtuber goes into a haunted house and blah 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 i'm like man i can't think of anything i want to see less <laughs> as people are listening to us on a podcast so you know and obviously take what i have to say about this kind of stuff with a grain of salt uh, but yeah either way sissy that's awesome that you enjoyed that one that was your number seven uh-huh. cool yeah. My number seven, I believe, I think you've seen this movie. I don't actually know your opinion on it, but I feel like you probably didn't like it. Definitely didn't like it as much as I did. But it's another movie that's now on Shutter. It played at Dark Bridges Horror Film Festival, you know, the, the place that premiered The Druid's Hand. Uh, what Josiah Saw. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you did see that one? Okay. Yes, I did. So this one, it's directed by Vincent Grishaw and was written by Robert Allen Diltz. I really really connected with this one and for all of the obvious reasons uh obviously i had not seen this movie before we made the druid's hand but there's so there was what made me really excited to see it was i had a friend um who like programs film festivals and everything and he saw the druid's hand he's like man have you seen what just i saw because it's like very very much like similar tones and everything so i was like oh well i i need to see it obviously now because that's clearly mine and jesse's thing is those rural prairie gothic type feeling movies and Mm -hmm. uh yeah and then you know with a cast like robert patrick and it's always great to see um nick stoltz back i know he he's uh vocally talked like this is you know nick stoltz was at one point a teen star and um came came upon some personal struggles and he's been out of the game for a while but then he returned with hunter hunter which was a great movie from a couple years ago and then yeah once again with what josiah saw i just thought like this movie it hit a lot of the a lot of the sweet spots for me that movies like The Dark and the Wicked hit for me. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I love the I love the aesthetic of it. But what really made me enjoy this one more than made this one made me enjoy this one just as a whole is its its unconventional way of telling the story. Um, it deals with a lot of really heavy familial themes and a lot of like you know obviously it's a mainstay in horror at this point is trauma and grief, but I think that this movie handled that expertly and it was all just elevated with one of the most haunting scores I heard this year. I always turn the what Josiah score on when I'm, you know, writing or just hanging out in my house, trying to get creative. And it's just, it it hits a lot of my personal sweet spots and I, I really, really enjoyed it. I think it has a fucking hell of an ending. Um, it's a movie that's kind of like slower. It's a slower burn. As soon as you start, it's, I can understand how it won't be some people's thing. Cause once you start connecting to one character, they switch the story to another character and then they all tie together at the end. But I thought that ending came to a brutally vicious climax and I really, really enjoyed it. So I wanted to highlight it, uh, I guess fairly high on my list. So that's yeah, what, no, what this, just I saw. I, I love that this is on here. And yeah, this totally feels like you'd mentioned uh, Dark and the Wicked, something like that. There's so many similarities. And yeah, this one was uh, one that I also kind of had a hard time uh, keeping off my list because it is really, you know, I thinking of it right now, I was like, damn, I probably should have had this on my list. And uh, a comparable to this film that I, I think maybe is a little bit apt, maybe not, you can kind of tell me, but even something like Frailty just reminded yeah. me a lot of Frailty. Which, yeah, and Frailty is the biggest fucking influence on, like, it doesn't take a genius to watch The Druid's Hand and see that we mm-hmm. pretty much ripped that off. Um, <laughs> like, it's, that. that's, I love that movie. I, I love the sweaty blue collar working man out off in the desolate prairies it's so much my shit 
and you know not having there's not an ounce of comedy in this movie like that's one thing that i would understand why it wouldn't be for everyone you know yeah Even there going was back no to, he he's or ha ha's in there no it, it's just it's so straight-faced it's so self it's so serious which is why i'd understand why it's not going to be for a lot of people but I wanted to highlight it here because, you know, if people have been listening to us for long enough and you know my my sensibilities and what the kind of stuff I enjoy, this is a movie that might have slipped through the cracks and you can now see it on Shutter. It's a lower budget movie that I think didn't get as much love as it deserves, but hopefully the shelf life is going to be, you know, up uh, in the back end right now. I hope people start discovering it and giving it a shot because I really, really enjoyed it. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what Josiah saw at number seven. I want to uh, shout out what you said that, yeah, check this out. It's on Shudder. It's fucking great. Uh, if you want to ha be happy and have some giggles, definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah, it's a real knee slapper. It's yeah, it's a real knee slapper. All right, so it's time for number number six. Um, and my number six is a little bit of a wild pick. I do, you know, I can't really say even why I put it where it is. Um, it's not entirely a horror movie even, but I just think it's so much fun and there's again that buzzword and has a lot of um, rewatchability for me and includes one of my favorite hunkiest hunks. So at number six, mine is Beast. Uh, yes. Starring Idris Elba, directed by Baltazar Kormakor. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, we always, we've talked about it even this episode multiple times, the, the nature run amok films. And I, I think this one is just on a little bit higher level in terms of uh, like directing and editing. I think it's so slick the way it, it, it kind of turns into like a, a little bit of a siege film for a while. And there's, you know, you have obviously the, the sweetest dude ever, Idris Elba and his not kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's Boom, so bro, funny to me. Yeah, yeah, it's so <laughs> sad. <Fuck> your kids. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I just overall, I, I think uh, the the effects for this are are pretty decent for this, considering you know it could have been just the goofiest looking, but the the lion's really cool and just overall a very fun. You know, I, obviously it's a comparison just based on kind of what it is, but you know, kind of like a was it is it good. Ghost in the Darkness, something yeah, like Ghost that. In, yeah. You know, the... Honestly, what I was thinking too is this is the good version of Primeval, that shitty movie that we talked about with Daniel Epler this year. Is like, and what I mean by that is like it keeps with us. <laughs> what do you find, mean by that? <laughs> it find it well. It's set in like you know the outback, and it has yeah. that really exotic feeling setting, and it's like a lot of it is in the broad daylight, and it's still terrifying because yes, it's so yes. intense and it's like it's visually beautiful to look at um you know there it's not on my list i just will quickly weigh in like because i had fun with this one as well and i think it's like a very this is a very like, if you like the kinds of movies that we're talking about there's no way you're not going to enjoy beast like you've seen way worse you've seen better um but like i like that they really show like uh charlotte copley's character really showed the tenderness and the love that you could have for these creatures like lions mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and then also seeing how brutally vicious they are and uh it's like a this is a prime example of one of those movies obviously i love i have a love for anaconda that pretty much no one could <laughs> compete with because of nostalgic reasons but it's like this reminds me of that type of movie that would be really fun yep. to watch with your family 
Yeah, and it's just kind of those that like one-off ones you know I, yeah. I wanted to mention like lake placid but unfortunately made a bunch of fucking sequels to that but it's that you know just that idea <laughs> no one remembers yeah, those a, though exactly yeah. it's it's uh yeah the deep blue sea the lake placid it's like you yeah. mentioned it, they Anaconda. got their tongue that you can see their tongue in their cheek but yep. they're still you know treating it with some form of respect enough for it to be a, a fun it, like i put this on the same campus fall it's yes, just, exa- it's, exactly. You know, there there are plot holes you could drive a bus through, but who gives a shit? You're watching a fun movie about a family being uh, tracked down by vicious, brutal Mufasas. Exactly. There's this yeah. fucking mean motherfucking lion. So yeah. and it's very competently made. So, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend even if, you know, you're kind of on the fence about it or if you're more of a not even just a, a straight up horror person, if you like kind of those actiony films, this one fucking does it. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So that was your number six beast. Mm-hmm. Damn. All right. Well, my number six, we'll see if we're going to be talking about this later. My number six is Hellraiser. Yeah, I also have Hellraiser. That is actually my number five. It, OK, so we can just all we right. Can just good. talk about it. Yeah. OK, sweet. Perfect. Um, yeah. So look, man, I'm admittedly just a huge David Bruckner fanboy at this point. I love his style the tone he sets the metaphors yeah, he likes fanta- to- i think yeah, yeah he's definitely like he's next in line for putting out some incredible shit and this yeah. is just the start of it like yeah and honestly someone even number 10 on my last year was the night house and i remember i even wasn't sold on that movie when i put it as my number 10 but something in me felt like i was like this should theoretically work for you i think you're gonna regret not putting it so at least put it number 10 and now mm. looking back on it honestly even with a year that has passed that would probably jump to my number two, like yeah. uh, for last year. Like I, I fell in love with that movie this year. So I'm happy I stuck with my instinct there and kept it on the list, even though at the time it didn't hit with me. Um, but yeah, like he just the tones he sets, the metaphors he likes to play with, uh, like the true shining element of his interpretation of Hellraiser is his ability to craft elaborate sequences that straddle the line of like a depressed Nightmare on Elm Street super fan. Um, like this man, this movie does not fuck around. Like it is so crazy and so fun. But like this is a movie that you know if it would have been released in like the early aughts, this shit would have been loaded to the brim with Mudbane. So, oh my god, you <laughs> that it would have been, yeah, it went on that same level as like you're watching like ghost ship. Yes. Which uh little spoiler for Terror Table listeners, if you want something to be excited oh, about. Are you telling them? Are you telling should, them? Should we quickly yeah, tell them? Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. We're doing new metal march, baby. Yeah. So <laughs> I, excited for new metal march. I don't I don't know if we're gonna be able because like obviously it's so it's just a miracle for us to be able to get in the same room with our schedules, but we're gonna do at least a couple episodes on movies that were heavily, heavily loaded up with new metal. So we're talking ghost ship. The House on Haunted Hill remake, like all that yeah. uh, Dark Castle entertainment, that whole era of uh, of movie. But this is a movie that totally would have fit in that in that vein. But I don't know. Just the, now talking about just this movie, I feel like this Hellraiser feels huge. The the visuals are just so fucking nuts and so expertly, incredibly well executed. I I think like they they practically show you they they do show you a shot with the POTB from inside of someone's throat <laughs> and a pin, like a big needle going through it. And that one was I, a hard watch. Oh my God. Like it, I watched this shout out my boy, Dallas, who's going to be on the show eventually here. He's lives like uh, we live in the same house. And this is one of the movies we watched together. And we both like 
burst out laughing at the absurdity of how extreme some of the horror was in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that Hellraiser as a whole has the best special effects in horror all of all the whole year. And that's in a movie that's in a year that gave yeah, us the body too. imagery was insane in this. Yeah. And that's that's zero shade to Terrifier 2. Yeah. It's just that on the scale that they were working with with Hellraiser, I have yet to see a movie that blends practical effects and CGI as well as this Hellraiser does. There are moments of this where it doesn't look cheesy when they're doing like the most extreme. You're watching a body have a huge gash in the center of it and you watch it reform and grow together and you can just see the practical artistry that went into it and then the gloss that they put in in post and mm-hmm. i think it's brilliant it just it looks so good um you know i fam- not famously but i in the past have talked about how i initially wasn't a fan of the original hellraiser as a young as a young and uh, because I, I didn't like the soap opera aesthetic and, you know, the, the types of themes that Clyde Barker was working with flew directly over my head. Um, but over the years, I've, I'm now in that camp where I consider Hellraiser to be one of the best horror movies ever made, at the very least top 20. I am one of those people that truly does believe that Clyde Barker's Hellraiser is one of the best horror movies. And I think it's better than the, like, the original. I still like more than this. But this movie does all those same things like it it updates the instead of the young and the restless uh days of our lives soap opera feel that you get from the original this one feels like the cw and you know something like that but you watch all these gorgeous stunning like young sexy people get ripped apart and that was a blast i just uh i had so much fun with it i think bruckner's hellraiser does every like i think he does a really good job of you know, showing respect for the source material while making mm-hmm. it his own. And I do think there, there are moments that it was missing. Like it's missing some leather. It could have used some more leather and yeah, bond- it wasn't bondage. kinky enough. Yeah. It could have been kinkier. And like, that's a huge key element of what makes Hellraiser Hellraiser. And like the sexuality, I feel like it was, even though this movie was very horny, I feel like it took a backseat in the overall story, but as a whole, just as an entertaining movie, I had a blast with it. I love the Cenobites. I think like there are scenes in this where like I've, I've talked about uh, there, there's a scene where Pinhead shows up. I think it's like her second appearance, but it's like one of the most masterfully executed sequences I've ever I've seen in recent years where like the, you know, the, the hallway is growing larger and mm-hmm. she's walking out throwing these chains and like, there's like little vignettes and, and nods to, I, I feel like it has to be like uh, paying homage to movies like dream warriors with the suicide kill where, you know, the character has his, veins ripped out of his wrists and he's walked around like a marionette in dream warriors like there are moments that really felt like this movie was made by someone who has that in their dna and so bruckner is he hasn't missed for me yet uh i would still say this is probably my like if this is at the bottom of his catalog and i love this movie that much that shows how how much i love this guy's vision and he's a huge inspiration for me i i love Love what he does. I hope this movie gets a sequel. That would be great because I want to see more in this universe. Uh, but I, I really, really, really loved Hellraiser. So now Let let's me just uh, yeah, let's go on sorry, to your number ahead. five. Let's go into your number no, this, five. 
the, yeah, this is my number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just going to tack on a lot with what uh, Mitch has been saying. And I want to start with, yeah, David Bruckner himself. He he really put the hell back in Hellraiser. That's one thing I, I feel like. And I don't I, I know it's clever wordplay because I'm so smart. But also, I just actually think that that they really put this idea of hell being more than just uh, some rando uh, making weird comments to you while you get shredded like there's there's a bigger picture to this there's like this like you know this outer dimension this this insane space that we're we're not even aware of that that gets involved in this uh movie and you know i i think we've talked about it before like the the actual uh what is the name of that that uh, device lament configuration they yeah, really the- built on that yeah, like the the lament configuration, it it meant so much in this. I feel like like every time you saw it, you're like, that is a real hero prop, and and I really loved just all the different ways in which it because it it would take like it's like pound of flesh from you, it yeah. would poke you somehow to get your blood, and I just I loved how they played with that. It it never felt like forced or like okay here we gotta go again with this. It always just felt like you know it, to have like an item just like that that really has no inherent value as being dangerous other than the implications of what happens after but that you're actually like afraid of this thing like hey character don't pick that shit up is you'd know anytime someone picks that thing up and it cut it draws blood this person's mm-hmm. about to get murked like yeah. and that's exciting like for people who like you know the it, part of being a horror fan is loving that grotesque brutality that you know is coming and it doesn't skimp on it ever yeah exactly and it, it never feels forced i feel like the the progression of it and and just kind of even how characters are played out it doesn't ever feel for it feels like a natural progression of this film and you know uh I, just because of you know even release date but in terms of being um uh you know a reboot or something that freshens up a franchise something you know like um candy, candy man, man. Yeah, was, this, yeah this is this year's candy man exactly and i yeah. think they they both films did such a good job of of updating these you know characters that have so many installments in the franchise and and maybe kind of have i don't want to say like a stink to them but like you know after a while they the it, quality just went oh, down so I, much I, yeah and you know you know me like i i will see things through to the bitter end but yeah. i have i have not even been able to get through most of those hellraiser sequels like after three i'm fucking done and three is in itself bad as well which there's there's nods to three in this movie and i love that he he included those things Mm -hmm. it shows that he loves clyde barker's vision exactly and i think that was another thing is uh, you kind of mentioning with that is having jamie clayton you this is such a big change for pinhead as a character to have the you know your your main character is now a, a female and kind of what she's bringing to the table you know as this pinhead character and and just the violence that that she puts out and how she does it and just her her character's overall presence is fantastic those are big shoes to fill and i know we just said about how the franchise you know really does start to stink after a while but you know still the it's just as much that doug bradley and pinhead are these uh you know iconic characters and i I think that jamie clayton did a fantastic job of going into those shoes and you know her and bruckner you know combining to have this new vision of pinhead that i that is yeah like like terrifying yeah just such a such an amazing performance overall and yeah i i hope that you get more out of this yeah 
such a such a great decision to cast her as Pinhead because like I've thought about that's something I've thought about over the years and you know there's so many correlations to this like there are moments where it's like oh this feels more like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie than it does a Hellraiser movie at times which isn't a criticism because that's my favorite franchise I fucking love those Nightmare movies but that's like this movie gives me hope for we know that we're going to get another Nightmare on Elm Street movie and we know that they're not going to bring Robert England back um at a certain point like it's just going to happen but it's like it seems like an impossible impossible shoes to fill to take over for doug bradley but jamie clayton crushed it um and we we have seen other people dip like step into the shoes of pinhead and, and it not work i've only seen like the youtube clips but it's uh yeah no she she crushed it i'm happy we are big fans of hellraiser we can put some respect on this movie's name finally Yes, because I know this is one that actually got beat up a little bit this year. Um, and I, I hope I hope the it's staying power, you know, bring I hope we see it staying power over the years. Cause yeah, this one was it was just a lot of fun. All right, okay. So that was your number five. Now oh god, now we're on to my number five. My number five might be higher for you. It's crazy, it is absurd to me that this is at number five, but it shows the quality of horror movies that we got this year. My number five is prey that is higher for me okay let's stable it let's go on to your number five no come back around i think so this we're is now three it's... we have three three in common yeah so I'm, i think i'm gonna hit the nail on the head. i think we're gonna have four i think we'll have four in common i think there's gonna be a lot of crossover from now on let's see <clears throat> all right I... so sorry go ahead uh my number four is and i want to preface this i love prefacing what i'm talking about with a little bit of stank this is where i finally got on the train this is where i finally get it it's higher so sorry for it's higher for me i already know where you're going okay this is uh obviously this is monkey paw productions uh jordan peele film nope yeah it's higher for me yeah okay so we will return to nope the movies that we know are going to come up that we need to talk about is nope prey and the cursed yes uh okay so my number four I am doing the annoying thing where I'm putting in a tie, but for a reason. Boo. I know. No, but here's the thing. If, if we're going to say no ties, I know what my stance is. My number four is Ty West X and Pearl. Okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. If I had a gun to my head, actually not even with a gun to my head, I can say X is more like X is my movie out of the, mm-hmm. I love them both. I really love them both. Um, but yeah, Ty West one, two punch with X and Pearl this year. Um, if that's considered cheating, like I said, X would definitely be more my speed. No, I, did... I, I love that idea. I think that like if if I had a, a movie series that did the same kind of concept, especially with what a wild year to do all of that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I love that idea of having those packaged together. Continue. Yeah, totally. And like that's the thing now in 2023, we're going to see the release. Hopefully, I believe it's this year. We're going to see Maxine, which will close out this trilogy. Uh, but yeah, from the get go, I went and saw X and this thing is just littered with things that tickle my sweet spot. It's a rural desolate setting and a grime that comes with it. It's got big Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes, obviously even makes blatant like shows pays homage to the movie in so many different scenes, uh, replicating shots from Toby Hooper's original that I now consider one of my all time favorites. But it's a somewhat fresh take on the slasher subgenre that understands how silly the concept can be in this day and age, therefore playing with a hint of comedy and a damn good cast. 
Um, this movie kicked off two career defining years. I, I guess I, I'm now contradicting myself. There's like I said before, it's just the year of Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega. Um, they're both they they crushed this year. Specifically, Mia Goth has like taken over the world. I just saw Infinity Pool. I'll talk about that on our next episode. Yeah, um, I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, and then having you know on top of that, having Owen Campbell playing the douchey and self important film nerd brilliantly. Like, and I think yeah, they they did such a great job at highlighting this cast of characters. Like having Kid Cudi playing the male porn performer, he was great in it. And of course, Brittany Sto- Snow's performance as Bobby Lynn, who I've made no uh, secret to my undying crush that I've had on her for years, ever since John Tucker Must Die. So it was amazing seeing her in this in this role and pulling it off the way that she did. Martin Henderson, he was great. But um, I just think, yeah, the movie was just so much fun. I found it genuinely shocking at times. And uh, a big thing that we we hold a gold standard to this at the terror table. I feel like this is the gator kill of the year. Yeah, uh, I was going to I was going to say, like, X is not on my list. But that shout out to that fucking that scene because that was yeah. so good. Yeah, no, the Gator Kill is amazing. And like I huge, huge, huge shout out to the scores in both of these movies. Um, X had Tyler Bates and Chelsea Wolf uh composing the movie, and it was just so good. And then Pearl, I actually like the Pearl score even more, and it and now it seems like uh for uh biased reasons, but it, it really isn't. It's Tyler Bates and Tim Williamson. And Tim is a guy that I got to know. I was lucky enough to spend some time with at Screamfest. He where he scored my my friend Matt Sears' film, uh, Catch Your Breath. It's just a brilliant, brilliant short film. But uh, realizing that I was sitting down having a drink with the composer of Pearl was crazy. And uh, he's just brilliant. He's done uh, he's done a lot of really cool things, Guardians of the Galaxy. And mm-hmm. yeah, just the, I had a lot of fun with X. X was going to give it to you. X gave it to me. <laughs> and uh, this is one that I think I'm going to go back. Like this trilogy is just, I it it's going to take a lot for Maxine to not hit for me mm-hmm. and uh as a guy who once considered myself a huge Ty West fan I love the House of the Devil um I grew to like the innkeepers more than I did even the first time I saw it I think he he's great but uh there was a little bit there where he was playing with stuff that just wasn't hitting for me X was not one of them I had so much fun in this theater it also one of my favorite theatrical moments of the year was I saw this movie <laughs> with previous guests of the show, Jason Hamill and Lauren Carr, his partner. And uh, there's a moment where Fleet, a rendition of Fleetwood Mac's uh, landslide plays. And Jason let out the most obnoxious laugh I've ever heard. And I was so mad for a second. because I'm like, motherfucker, like you're ruining this for everyone. But then the whole theater, we were like, oh, yeah, this is clearly supposed to be hilarious. And that was one of my favorite moments of the year seeing movies and uh yeah huge huge fan of x uh i'm gonna spend my time mostly on x but i did really really enjoy pearl as well did you ever did you end up seeing pearl i that one didn't make the cut of of time invested i really i still want to check it out because yeah like it there was some good stuff in x um so yeah it's, i want to see pearl where it goes. is so different too like that's is it, it really it's so that's what makes me that, that's one of those ones so you talk where, about that one a little bit before we move on here like well, i feel yeah, like you one, focused on x well i definitely did because i i don't i don't want to cheat too much but i normally would give anyone a wedgie for doing a tie especially this high up the list um but it's because yeah like they both came out the same year and 
Um, Pearl just has a completely different tone and aesthetic. The Technicolor, it's it's so beautiful to look at and it felt so fresh and like something like there are moments of it that felt like the psycho sequels to me, which I'm a big fan okay. of. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it, it gets very weird. I think I liked Mia Goth even more in Pearl because you know it's definitely more her movie. It focuses on her character. Uh, but the, that's one I need to see both of them again. But I, I did really enjoy both. I just know that X is more my speed as like a slasher horror fan. But Pearl, Pearl did so many weird, different things that it's it's this is another one where I'm like, man, it's so crazy. This is this is the type of movie you would have only been able to see at festivals like the Dark Bridges Film Festival 10 years ago. Like mm-hmm. th- this is a, it's it's crazy to think that this movie got a wide release and that it was successful. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed both of them. Maxine is definitely in the top three of my like most anticipated of 2023. There's a lot of cool shit coming out this year. Uh, but yeah, I, I recommend both of them. I'm sure anyone listening has seen at least one of them at this point. Mm-hmm. But once again, shout out that gator kill. Big time, big time. Uh, definitely one of the best and coolest kills of the year. All right, we're, we're getting down to the grittiest of nitties. <laughs> we're in uh, our top three nitties. We we're getting Liddy in our top. We got our we got our Riz on right now. We're risen it up. Yeah, I'm we're risen on these white claws now. This is yeah. classic terror table shit. <laughs> All right. So my number three is a film that we premiered at for. Uh, well, sorry, not that we premiered. That that I got a chance to see at the. Uh, is was it at the fan? I think it was the Fantastic or was it Dark Bridges? Dark Bridges uh, was the one in June where we played. Yeah. Um, this was Chloe Okuna's oh. Watcher. It's on my honorable mentions. I, honorable mention, really? Yeah, and, the, the, and isn't that fucking weird? Because I, I really enjoyed this movie. I talked about it very highly. Uh, I spoke very highly of it on the podcast, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a tough year, man. So many great movies. Talk <laughs> about it. I, I love that it's this high on your list. I love it. It's, it's a tough year with how many good fucking movies came out. I I just have to say overall that that this movie blew me away from start to finish. I I love you know all the homages to just different um, different genres or kinds of slasher films. You know, like there's a little bit of giallo in this. There's a little bit of that classic like Michael Myerisms. There's you know you so much feel Hitchcock. Like yeah, Hitchcock. Yeah. I I think it and it does such a great job of of all those kind of things without feeling like it's just biting one particular thing. You know, it, it I feel like it it has its own path, and I think Micah Monroe does a fantastic. This is such a small film overall too. There's uh, probably ten overall like characters in this whole film, including like people just in the background. Yeah, such a contained little film and and it it plays into that that very um primal uh fear of just being watched you know as Mm -hmm. the title implies and just you know not knowing exactly who is watching you and why so yeah yeah no it's it's a great movie it's my honorable mentions which we'll talk about afterwards when we also share uh listener 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 sentence some some of their lists we'll talk about mm-hmm. all that uh, but my honorable mentions is crazy this year it was a great year for horror so the fact that watcher didn't make my list is pretty wild because i did really enjoy that one awesome so that was your number four that was my number three 
very obviously if you've been listening to the show it's not shocking at all but if you know me at all it's shocking that it's this high terrifier too uh holy shit yeah i really wow i was a guy who like liked i I was fine with the first terrifier i thought that would it you know there's wasn't perfect but there were moments in it that i thought were really fun but i was certainly not a guy lining up to see a terrifier too and man this movie i would have never guessed in a million years that a terrifier movie would crack my top 10 let alone be this fucking high uh, but like Skinnamarink, a part of my anticipation for the film stemmed from like the making and unbelievable success story that it has become. But with all that aside, I just think it's a great fucking slasher movie. I think it's nearly perfect. It's nearly perfected what so many other people have been trying to do over the years. And that's bring back this love for 80 slashers and, you know, mm-hmm. the camp, the level of camp that are that can be found in those movies and it just seems so tricky to be able to pull something like that off in 2022. And I think Damien Leone and uh, like their whole team just absolutely crushed this. Uh, I thought like I was just so in from the get go. It's a two and a half hour slasher movie, which is absurd, but I was never bored once. Uh, I don't think that the movie gives you a chance to be bored because it's just so absurd and over the top. But I think that we've received a new slasher icon with Art the Clown. And I think this movie cemented, like, even before this, there have been, there's so many people out there who have Art the Clown tattoos. They love, like, you know, the the short film and All Hallows Eve, and they like Terrifier a lot. But Terrifier 2 was the one that I think, it's undoubtedly, like, the reason why this is going to be a huge thing moving forward. Like, we're going to see a Terrifier It's its three. own T2. <laughs> it totally is. This is a T2. But it's, um, it's there's so many things about this that aren't my thing. Like, I'm not a guy. That, I, I know. Love... I'm very surprised that this is that this on your <laughs> list at all for this year. Really? Okay. I, that... I can know. I can see it, like, as an honorable mention. I'm not saying that you didn't like it, but, like, the fact that it's on your Man. list and this fucking high. Yeah, it's a dude. I had so much fun with it and I watched it multiple times. It's a two and a half hour slasher movie. Wow. Shit. Yeah. A sequel to a movie that I was OK with. And I watched it so close together, too. Like I just it, the movie had me riding on a high. And uh, I'm a guy who I've also spoken about how I'm getting tired of like the neo synth wave, you know, shit that people have been doing for a while. Like, you know, I think Stranger Things, obviously, I still love Stranger Things. And there are many of these movies that really do a great job with it. I think the guest perfected it. But Terrifier too, like the opening with the Midnight Song, it just gave me chills. And uh, there was about a month after I watched that movie that I was listening to that instrumental on repeat. <laughs> I'd be driving. I was doing my Travis Bickle Batman, like driving, yes. driving through the rain in Vancouver, just cranking that midnight song. I and thought you're you're more of a, a Pete Davidson in the what was that? Kings of King of Staten Island. Island. Yeah. Yeah. Probably just closing I'm, your eyes in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's so it's so great. But, you know, like. Like so, like a few of the biggest '80s uh, horror icons, like it's people like uh, performances that come to mind is like Freddy and Chucky in particular. You have we're given these merchants of death and carnage who we should be rooting against, but you want you. There's never a moment where you don't want Art on screen. He's always fun watching him, you know, pull out literally carry around a bag of tricks and never knowing where it's going to go, and the fucking absurdity. Of like when you think it's over, he's back and he's loaded up with bleach and salt. It's like it's so absurd. It's so crazy. I had so much fun watching it. And that's why it's so high on my list is like this is one of the movies I enjoyed 
watching this year the most. I just, it makes no sense that I liked it as much as I did, but fuck man, I thought it was, I thought it was a blast. Uh, I can't wait to see Terrifier 3, especially now that the movie's made so much money. You just yeah. know Damien Leone's gonna, he's gonna make the fucking Lord of the Rings of slasher movies. <laughs> and I'm so excited about that because he, he does his own practical effects. He's, he's a brilliant artist and he has so much passion and love for this character. And it's, it's just awesome. David Howard Thornton was so good. His performance is amazing. And I'm really excited to see where this franchise goes. I'll be one of the first in line for Terrifier 3. Uh, which is just crazy to think about, but yeah, Terrifier, I, I, Terrifier too. I just have to say, like, I, obviously, I've I've seen Terrifier as well, Terrifier too. Um, not as big on it, but I I really just enjoy, yeah, the how much success it has, and what you had mentioned about Art the the Clown becoming like a, a horror icon is that's such a hard thing to do, especially in this day and age where we have so much and so much access to everything, it, it really seems like it's harder and harder to define yourself in this day and age in any sort of way or stick out and create that kind of unique path. And I think that, yeah, exactly. Like art, the clown has managed to become part of the, uh, you know, the, the, I, is it the, the lexicon or the iconography of, yeah, of horror now it's, yeah. it's embedded within that sort of thing and and is its own character and yeah it's it's awesome that it's getting more like a like i said um it's it's always great to have horror throwing up w's whether you're a fan of it or not yeah for sure all right so yeah that was uh my number three terrifier two i think now is the point where we're gonna have some crossover yes we have a bunch of crossover we have to talk about so my number two is prey directed by dan trachtenberg yes so how should we work this this was my number five should let's have you go first and then i'll i'll tack mine on afterwards okay so um this this was a there there's so much i want to say about this film like especially because we did talk about it before but just having a chance to to simmer like a like a crab in a bucket about it um i just i think that this is fantastic i think this is exactly much like like hellraiser and a couple other films that came out uh in the last couple years of of franchises uh like Candyman as well um is really gave the the kick in the pants this franchise needs and i i think that it contemporized it in the best way possible we've seen um you know, alien to a certain extent, as well as the predator franchise several times kind of try and bring itself up to date with what's, what's cool and what's, you know, what, what works in cinema today. And I, I feel like, like, I know Mitch, you did enjoy the, the, the predator and, and certain, you know, and then it's just, like, it, yeah, I did, didn't enjoy. I fucking you love Shane Black's yeah. movie. I love <laughs> but, that. But movie. do you, in terms of within the, the franchise, it's, this is a fucking, billion times better. Yeah, the Predator is like that goofball one yeah. of the whole franchise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like Prey is is um, whether it be a Predator film or any other kind, you could have inserted literally any kind of villain into this and it would have worked. I, I think the just the the roots that it had, um, how it built characters and, and defined them and, and made you root for these characters and how they develop their skills and seeing how the the predator even is so uh 
how would you put like primal overall, yeah. but, but still having those, those inklings of advancements where you go like, okay, I can see the roots of, you know, the original predator film in this, how it, you know, it has montages and, and nods to all the other uh, films that came before it, you know, like even having some like little nods to like the predator two in here, it's just so much different stuff like that. It just, overall, this is a fantastic film. It does a great job of, you know, we've watched so many films where they try and force feed you characters in a certain, to a certain extent. And there's always, you know, kind of the, the, the strong female character. Like there's, there's a good way to have these characters built up and there's a bad way and because it can, it can seem so forced, but the, the way that they had with uh, Amber mid thunder, Amber mid thunder. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Good. Like, like her character development, it was, it was phenomenal watching and, and just how, how smart it, it just overall was and the aesthetic of the predator it just overall i i have nothing but amazing things to say about this film i i want to see way more of this and and you know overall we have a film that has a fucking it has a bear and attack in it where it's not even the most terrifying thing in the movie yeah yeah that's <laughs> definitely saying something right all right so yeah like i pretty much echo everything that you just said about prey um We've talked about that a lot over the the course of the show. We know that we're huge Alien fans, but Prey was a movie that made me realize just how hard I ride for Predator. <laughs> um, like the whole, the, it's it's gang shit now. <laughs> it is straight up gang shit, gang activity. But like most people consider like the franchise of Predator to be shoddy at best, and I guess I'm not in that camp because the only film in the Predator franchise that I can't get down with is alien vs predator requiem because you can't see any of it um but like i'm i'm an apologist for the first alien vs predator there's moments in it that i think are entertaining it's of course not a great movie mm-hmm. uh, i love predator 2 and I think, yeah predator 2 is fantastic but what a wacky fucking sequel yeah. for for predator being this like groundbreaking film basically predator- predator flew off the rails so early on like with predator 2 so that yeah. i think that's part of the reason i can you know give movies a pass like we got to predator. voodoo shaman way faster oh, in a franchise God. than we should have exactly yeah that should that should be the <laughs> sixth or seventh installment yeah, literally. but like you know and we've talked about this on the show in 2018 even um i think shane black's predator was higher on my list than prey is but let me not get anything <laughs> twisted Prey is a better movie. And I I'm one of those people there you you Prey came out and you, there are people who are saying that they're like it might be better than the original. I'm not part of that camp, but I do understand where they're coming from. Like Prey mm-hmm. was fucking mind-blowing. Like who did we had no idea that this movie no. was going to be as good as it is. With, um, like and we were so hyped on the concept because like we've mentioned before like those period piece ones can yeah. be hard to do and they fucking smoked it out they of the smoked park. it and it like you know there's a lot of really 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 exciting shit happening in the calgary film scene right now and this is one of the first things that really you know put it on the map i'm sure i'm missing some stuff but like right now with prey and the last of us um two huge properties that came out this year or you know i guess last of us is 2023 within but, a calendar year yeah, it's it's putting Calgary on the map for a place that was five hours away from Saskatoon, where you mm-hmm. know where he started this podcast, and the the setting of it is just gorgeous. Like you said, Amber Mid Thunder, she's a tremendous heroine. 
I thought she was so good and her chemistry with Dakota Beavers adds so much to the stakes of the story. And um, I just think, yeah, it resulting in insane sequences and conflict with the predator. And there's so many moments like that, but that's not even like the, the, the brutality and the action with the predator is awesome, but it's the characters that really drew this movie into different territory that this franchise has never seen. I think that it really, it, it did improve on some elements of the original, which I love. Like I mm-hmm. still consider the original my favorite out of all of them but uh but this one did so many goddamn awesome things and it was just brutally vicious it was so entertaining and yeah i loved i loved what dan trachtenberg did with this and obviously like you know i'm a big fan of 10 his other film 10 cloverfield lane and this is another movie where it's like you know with uh david bruckner making the ritual i was like i want to see everything this guy does like i i just want him to do whatever he wants to do and i'll be there for it and that's how i feel about dan trachtenberg as well uh, so I loved Prey. Um, you know, I, it's just it's a blast, and I'm happy that it really it hit with the the mainstream as well this mm-hmm. year because there was a lot of people that I, I spoke to. I spoke about the Predator with a lot of people who I would have never guessed I'd be talking about the Predator with. Like this movie really broke through, and uh, that was exciting. So yeah, Prey was my number five. It was Boozy's number three, two, two. Sorry, yeah, Jesus, on the White Claws, boys. Yeah. And by boys, I mean, boy, there's only you <laughs> you and this guy over here, the devil on my shoulder. OK, so now is it no, my you're turn? at number four? Yeah, because there's a bunch here that. No, no, I'm at number two. OK, so my number two, my number two is Jordan Peele's Nope. Yeah, that so was you, my number four. That was your number four. You lead off yeah. with it and I'll, I'll tap in. Okay, so I, I'd kind of mentioned to the build up of this because Mitch knew right away is uh, I <clears throat> I had never I'd never gotten the the Jordan Peele like it it hadn't hit me the way it hit everybody else, and I this is finally when it when it really hit for me, and I think overall this is such a phenomenal, and I uh, just. I remember when we talked about it before mentioning this and it, I mean it in the best way possible is like the Spielbergisms of this film and the the grandioseness of it and I I love just the the cosmic ideas that ta- they tap into and having kind of an original idea for for how this this goes and you know it, it feels like it has a lot of homages to you know like the invasion of the body snatchers you can have some, you know or um well, oh, what is the the famous one? Uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds, uh, and that fight. There's one scene that's like straight out of Fire in the Sky, which mm-hmm. is like a kind of at this point underseen classic. And yeah, and then like I even maybe this is a little bit of reach, but like it just it felt on that uh, that fantastical level in kind of the ways that like like an Independence Day is almost. It was it, Independence it, Day, but like our my speed personally, I had, that's exactly. in my notes where I was like, this is my version of Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that the the cast for this is phenomenal and all the characters d- just did such a good job in fleshing out, you know, who they are. And and I I'd mentioned before, anytime I can hear that sweet, sweet Michael Wincott voice, I will take that as a huge W. I want him to narrate everything. Where does your Michael Wincott love come from? Is it Alien Resurrection? It is. Um, there's a couple other, and, you know, and I famously am not a huge resurrection fan but yeah but it's yeah, still Wincott you, just yeah 
I love how like you and I were both that type of guys where even if you're not a big fan of one of the alien sequels, you've seen it way more than probably some big fans of it have. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, he was Johnner in Alien Resurrection, yeah. I believe is his name. That's a but name that that definitely is. But yeah, I just overall, I just noped it everything for me. And I didn't even I haven't even fucking mentioned the random ass like monkey attack scenes in this. Oh, like to throw something like that into this story that has so many different layers of crazy shit going on already. Yeah. And it just it felt perfect it, and i love the description of it being a neo-western like sci-fi mm-hmm. horror movie that's such a but yeah overall um nope was just it's fantastic like i want to watch it again just talking about it I, it just it it wove such a, a beautiful story to like latch on to and where it went with it and just even kind of like the abruptness of the ending like overall i just i really enjoyed it so mitch why is this what it is for you yeah that that's first of all that's so awesome to hear because this i know that you know his other movies didn't really hit for you and that's one of those things where i'm like well i I just always want my homies to enjoy stuff so it's like it's great when something clicks but uh i'm gonna be completely honest when i saw this movie like i spoke about it very positively on the show like upon first watch i was like yeah it was really good um two weeks ago this was my number nine on my list really yeah i rewatched it recently and I'm not going to lie, this could it's very this could very well be my number one. Um, a second watch skyrocketed this thing for me. I really liked it the first time. But on a rewatch, man, I like I've enjoyed all of Peel's output so far. I, I the get out is fantastic. I was an us apologist to, to a certain degree. I there's a part of me that thinks that this might be his best movie. And the second watch I really, love, I love that. I, and, and that's no shade to, cause I like, especially get out. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I need to, I haven't watched get out in a couple of years. I need to watch that again. I just bought, I just bought the, there's a book where it's the script and it has all these annotations from Jordan Peele and like screen oh, direction. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really cool. And it was only that's like, like the Kurt Cobain diary. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, and that's like on Amazon for like 15 bucks. And I just, I love stuff. Really? Like that. That's actually like a super good deal oh, yeah. too. Yeah. I'm not sure if the other, like, cause I have, uh, the inglorious bastards one in my cart as well. I'm not sure if that one has the level of detail, uh, that this one has, but you know, obviously I've been a fan of Jordan Peele since way before it was revealed that he's a horror fan. And then mm-hmm. he eventually made the, an Oscar nominee, Oscar winning we Screenplay. go back like mad tv days mad tv and but really key and peel you know like mm-hmm. the gremlins do sketch there's so many key and peel sketches that i me and diego that was a big part of like our friendship early on was bonding over key and peel so it was really special when get out came out and uh and then i really liked us but man nope is a movie that i understand i I understand why this is without a doubt one of those ones that's going to just grow in esteem over the years. It just has to. It's way too good of a movie for it to be kind of passed on this year. Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. people where I feel like they liked it, but it's kind of like, yeah, I like that moving on with my life kind of, which is fine. But I feel like there's so much shit in this that is just so brilliant. I read this. I a couple of these movies I'm talking about today. I've read the screenplay for and nope stands out as by far the best screenplay i read this that was released this year last year it's so good so uh 
so nuanced and I don't know I just I'm a big fan of the cast of characters that Peel created and then what Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya were able to do with those characters and really flesh them out there I have no patience for the Daniel Kaluuya uh, vitriol that people are like there's a lot of people out there like I just he's lazy he's not doing anything it's like no he's a stoic character who really complements how animated Kiki Palmer is and I think together mm-hmm. they they are perfect and the movie agreed, is just agreed. so it's so much fun so much fun but it's genuinely fucking scary at a couple parts and I think it has a lot to say uh, it's some of the most gorgeous filmmaking I saw all year I've gone so far as to like study what they've done with like the they, there's a lot of these night scenes that just look so surreal and so beautiful and then finding out that they like shot that all in the all in the day and they did a whole day for night thing for it um but yeah there's just so many so many things to say and learn from nope that much smarter people than myself are able to cover i'm not going to be able to say anything that people haven't heard yet clearly you can see the influence from spielberg like i think in especially jaws close encounters et and honestly even indiana jones there's moments that feel so high adventure and it's it's just a blast and i i love this movie it's very strange like this could very well be my number one um but yeah i i absolutely love nope so that's that's my number two awesome i guess it's time for my number one that is man i I, first of all, I fucking love that this is your number one because this is one of the movies that just made my list today. Because so yeah. I was like, I feel like I'm like, if I would have seen it, whatever, you go. Sorry. I'm getting excited. <laughs> You're allowed to be excited. Do you want me to, do you want to finish or do you want me to talk about it? I'm just going to say that because I now know what it, I pieced it together and it's, mm-hmm. I think it was my number nine. And that yep. was, a, yeah. And that's a movie that it wasn't on my list at the beginning of the day today. And, taking some time aside and really thinking about it, I was like, man, if I would have seen this movie more recently, it 100% would be on my list. So I need to make room for it here because it needs to be here. I appreciate that. Uh, so I'm excited that this is a crossover though. So take yeah. it away. So I, I, I love that it's on our list in such different areas, but still made it. Uh, so yeah, my number one this year is Sean Ellis's The Cursed. Uh, gothic horror film centered around werewolves. It, it deals with uh it's, it's a period piece as well um was it originally called it had a cool name originally uh, eight for silver a way better silver. name so cool but it, yeah it's it's dealing with like there, there's like a mythos of like a, a hound in like the 1800s that apparently like ate a shitload of people and this is kind of like taking that idea of this um it's got like elements of something like oh man what would i describe it like there's elements of like the thing in this yeah um, the, sp- the the makeup effects are unfucking real unreal i i think as far as like a creature werewolf film i love that it does something a little bit different and you know i you know how i kind of am i'm very anal about like the rules of monsters in certain ways and i just i thought that this one was a fantastic way to go about this and it's so violent they don't ever really shy away from from showing you like the creature as well as the violence that it inflicts and you know it it kind of unravels itself has a little bit of a a mystery unraveling as well as 
with them dealing with this creature. So I, I love just having a little bit of that multi-layer. You're not just dealing with just the creature. So uh, overall, this was, yeah, I fucking love werewolf movies. And I just think that this is not only just like a, a good werewolf movie, and obviously like it's number one on my list, but like overall, this is just a fantastic like gothic horror film that I think a lot of people uh, probably haven't checked out and definitely should. Yeah, you uh, you covered pretty much everything I could say about this movie, but I'm I'm so happy to see that it's this high on your list because this is one of the biggest ones out of my whole like I wrote down every movie that really stood out to me this year, and the cursed is one that really slid under the cracks. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, like I saw barely anyone talking about this movie this year, and I'm sure some people are. It's just not going to click for them because, like you said, it's extremely dark. It's a gothic as hell period piece with a it's a werewolf tale. So much fog, so much violence, so much my shit. Um, this thing's got me written all over it. Honestly, with a re- if I would have had time for a rewatch, it might be higher than nine. Uh, but it, it had a big enough impression on me 10 months ago to know that like when I saw it on my list again today in my honorable mentions, I was like, this this has got to be in there. Like it's it needs to be at that. least somewhere that. on my list because you know, you and I, we we bonded over a love of creature features and specifically yes. werewolves. That's what started our friendship. Like it was you would come to see my band. We added each other on Facebook and we I think the first thing we talked about was werewolf movies. And oh, uh, I, I think it was yeah, like right away. We talked about like the like dog soldiers and the dog, howling and ginger snaps. Yeah, and ginger snaps. Yeah. Yeah. So seeing a werewolf movie in this day and age and like, look, I'm a guy who I for better or worse, I back up the uh, Benicio del Toro, Anthony Hopkins, Wolfman. Like I, I do. I saw that movie two nights in a row the weekend that it came out, and that's a movie that's widely known <laughs> as a piece of shit. I still really enjoy that movie. Of course, there's over the years I've revisited, and I see some of the problems people could have. But the thing that I loved so much about it is the time period, and that it's a werewolf tale. That is like mm-hmm. just such a soft spot for me. And this movie really, really tickles that. And like you had mentioned, it was originally called like because it came out at Sundance and it was titled Eight for Silver. And the producers who bought it and distri- the distributors who bought it uh, changed the name to The Cursed, which is like, you know, the most boring and generic name imaginable for a horror movie. So it's like, no wonder this movie wasn't seen by a lot of people. But now, it's available on Amazon Prime. So if people are wanting to check it out, like this is one, this is what I love about our top tens is when we can highlight some ones that kind of, you know, sli- well, flew, flew under the radar. Just to even like, sorry, just not even just the name part, but just the like the artwork for it, I feel like is really, it, it's it's lazy and, and it's not their fault. It just, it really does. It's kind of the way we're like lovely Molly. The, yes. The artwork yes. for that, it just, it throws you it's off. It's like, you got to show people that the thumbnail is like we got to show that it's a horror movie how do we do that well let's look at all these other bad posters and like yeah it's a even even like the theatrical poster with like the fangs isn't great but i do love the lore behind like that's where that's what separates this movie from other werewolf tales is it delves into a different territory which once again there's plot holes in this movie there are plot holes in most movies it is a fantastical scary period piece um it's about werewolves not all of it's going to make entire sense in reality 
but I don't give a fuck anymore. Uh, there was a time in my life where I was such a, and I remember the famously the Erie International boys made like would make fun of me because I would always call out plot holes because I was an angry fucking depressed nerd screaming at the cloud on the internet where I was like I, I, I need something that, to yell about. That part of me has changed as I've learned more about film, and I do credit them for calling me out. Like that's an important thing to call people out on their stupid shit. That was a stupid criticism that I. Uh, every movie on my list has fucking plot holes but it's a movie it is supposed to be entertaining and i know it's that a, the, it's a good movie it's a good movie but i'm also like i dude i love boyd holbrook like he's a guy yes. who's he he's like doesn't do a lot in this movie but that's kind of what i like about him i like the stoic character i like the he has a presence he, yeah, like, he doesn't do a lot but he has that presence but the thing that really stands out about the cursed among you know i one thing we haven't talked about yet is that sean ellis not only directed this movie he wrote it and he shot mm -hmm. it he was the dp on this thing and i think that that like he obviously so this is entirely his vision and that's what i respect about it i think that you know, some of the story got maybe got sidelined by his million um, obligations on that set. Like he had to be he was wearing so many hats. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it came out this good is so commendable. And yeah, I think like and another thing that, you know, even current stuff that I'm writing right now, I'm, I'm delving into things that I normally have issues with dream sequences. I normally get annoyed by that. This movie did a really good job of using dream sequences to tie characters together and to tie the whole scenario together and uh yeah i just i really really enjoyed it mary riley was great in it as well i wish it was called eight for silver because that's a cool name yes, yes it's a cool horror movie hell yeah oh <sighs> okay so we are at are we at that was your number one all right I'm done. Last one. yeah obviously no surprise everyone knows and i'm gonna build it up my favorite horror movie of the year was barbarian mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you knew that from the get-go uh, I'm going to try and do a better job this year at like not showing my cards so early on, but this one just excited the shit out of me. Uh, written and directed by Zach Kreger, who is like, you know, he gained notoriety from being in the sketch comedy group, The Whitest Kids You Know. He, the other movie that he wrote and directed, I think he, I think he directed it, was Miss March, like a really shitty. Uh, what was Miss March? Was that the, that wasn't like the sex drive one where like he wanted to, bang miss march is it yes i think it was i oh. i've seen this movie but it was and he co-stars in it too um miss march 2009 yeah and i think it has oh the meta score on imdb is seven. Oh, <laughs> it's like it's one of those movies that it didn't do well and yeah it's miss starring, march yeah. was just a miss altogether it, it was a bit it was a big miss and but that's i learned all of this well well after i had seen and loved barbarian so it's just a cherry on top of the cake to see that this guy hasn't always had it figured out but he had this script that he believed in like barbarian right. this wild script that sets up such an enticing sequence in the first half of the movie and then completely flips it around and shocks you and turns into a completely different movie it's it, it was a movie that would be impossible to you know put stakes in like i i kind of understand why a lot of the studios turned it down like notoriously for years he's been shopping this thing around and it was rejected by everyone and then it finally got into the right place and was released and this was like the shocking movie this year this was the one where it was like everyone was talking about you need to see it in a the theater try and not think like don't read about it don't look any more into it don't watch the trailers just go and see it that's always exciting for me it felt like an event and 
the only thing I knew about it was that it was a shocking movie, but I didn't expect this. And if you say you did, you're a fucking liar. There's no way you can see where this movie is going. And yeah, it starts off with such a simple premise and that's inherently creepy from the jump, given the circumstances of just like the idea of a double booked Airbnb topped off with the absolutely brilliant misdirect of casting a guy like Bill friggin Skarsgård yeah. as the dude in the Airbnb. He's seamlessly creepy. The guy, he just got off the hottest horror movie of, you know, the last decade by with it. He's Pennywise. Um, it's just, there's no way you can see where it's going. And to have all of that literally crushed into pieces at the halfway point of the movie was the biggest serotonin boost of the year for me. Like You needed the, that. You needed yeah. that. And I'm going to, you know, speak a little bit more candidly about this one because we've spoke, especially if you've been listening to the Terror Table, we've talked about it so much that you should have seen it by now. I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but I'm not going to dance around that, you know, Justin Long is in this movie, which was kind of a surprise in and of itself. Like I saw this movie with uh, Jason Hamill. Also, I got to say, worst the worst theater I've been in all year was the Barbarian Theater. We moved twice. We moved seats because people were fucking. There was a full blown argument between a couple right beside us during the movie. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Wait, wait, like, did, what were they arguing about? I don't even know. They came in 10 minutes late, 10 minutes into the movie, and they sat down right behind us and right. they were like eating their part. They had their phone out and they were like trying to find something. So it was just disruptive as hell. Right. And then even when we we moved to a different spot and the people in front of us were talking at like full volume and I actually was getting angry so i did the the mitch thing where i called him out i said can you shut the fuck up please at like full volume i said i love that you had the please that's like the most canadian thing ever no what i what i truthfully did was i said hey can you guys like maybe save the conversation for after the movie that'd be awesome thank you yeah and then they they got the point but then they started they pulled out their phone and they started communicating with their screens and i was like you got to be kidding me like this is brutal and the movie still ended up being my favorite movie of the year that shows how powerful through yeah, it was just so much fun. Uh, I've watched it a couple times now, read the script, and it's just, it's brilliant, man. And you can just tell that Zach Kreger, he, one of my biggest influences is Sam Raimi. And you, you see that throughout Barbarian. So of course I connect to it personally. Like it's just so much my thing. And I think at this point, Justin Long is a horror icon, which is hilarious to say. He's had so many seminal roles in like big horror movies and this might be the crown jewel. I, I do understand why some people didn't connect with it. Um, they liked the first movie that it was setting up and then felt gypped when it was completely changed. But I just had such a fun time from start to finish. And I think it's, this movie just has the cojones on this movie to go the directions that it went in were so funny. We also haven't talked about it yet, but 2022 was the year of the spooky grandma. How many oh. spooky grandmas did we fucking see? There's even a, oh, what would, I watched another one recently. God, I can't even remember what it was, but there's another spooky grandma. I'm like, what? oh, I, I was, there's, I think there's movie just called like the grandmother or something. There, as well. Oh, like, Ma, yeah. Uh, there's, yeah, there's something like that. But I watched another one recently. Oh, it was, yeah, I can't because it's a spoiler, but there's another uh, 2023 movie that has a spooky grandma in it. I'm like, what is going on right now? Why is it like, what's the uh, under? <laughs> It's Medea family vacation. Yeah. No, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I feel like if this movie didn't have the sense of humor that it has, it wouldn't have worked as well. And it's just such a bizarre string of events. And I loved every second of the ride. 
It was my personal favorite horror movie of the year. And I think that this is one that I'm, it has the makings of a classic. I think I'm going to be revisiting this one for years to come. And it's just, I just love that it exists. I, I will say that I, I can, I can attest to some of these things that like, while it didn't make my list and I wasn't a huge fan of it, I, I do see how it is a very well-crafted film. And with the scares in it using and the ability to use like light as, as just this, you know, a ramp up of fear in these small areas where you're these cramped areas and you're not, your characters aren't allowed to figure out what's going on. So you feel just as rushed as they do. And, yeah. you know, just the violence in this. And, you know, when they, when they do show something, it's fucking wild. And when they just reveal something. Just sucking on a titty. Yeah. And like, mommy need to give milky baby it's so baby. funny it's so funny man like oh god it's so good uh, yeah no i was a very very big fan of barbarian and uh you know we're now recording this a week after the news dropped that like zach Kreger, like he's he went from being at the bottom like man his his movie miss march had like a five percent on rotten tomatoes felt his career was done and he's been shopping this thing around trying to write it and 10 years later he gets it off the ground and it hits and now it's like people were they were throwing money like millions and millions of dollars at his script that no one had even read yet mm -hmm. and now he, he he stuck to his guns and said no one's touching it until it goes to market and then everyone can read it then we'll talk and he did that and it got picked up for double the budget they haven't even announced it but they said it's in the it's an eight figure deal. This guy, he's, he's going, he's going to make another great horror movie and mm -hmm. he's going to have money behind it this time. And he has final, like final cut. It is unreal. The, what, what kind of, uh, like what, what trend he's setting with this? Like it, it's a very exciting as a horror fan to know that people like him can get these bonkers ass ideas out on screen and have final cut. It's unreal. I love it. And I can't wait to see what he does next weapons is what it's called right now i know that okay okay i'm surprised so, there's not like an 80s action movie called weapons yeah there probably is and it's probably a working <laughs> title too all i know about it is he said that it's uh all all that has been revealed is that it's being compared to magnolia which is like oh wild <laughs> it's insane to think about a horror movie version of magnolia um but either way i'm i'm just so on board with whatever he does uh yeah. And, and the other thing too, last thing I'll say about it is I forgot how scary it was because of how much fun I was having during it. But Tara has COVID right now. And she was like, what should I be watching? Oh, no. Yeah. And so I told her, I was like, have you seen Barbarian yet? Like it's on Disney plus. And she watched it and we had a good conversation afterwards, but she was like, that was fucking terrifying. And I'm like, I forgot that it's actually it. And then I watched it again. I'm like, this, this movie's scary as shit for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And totally then it gets is. bonkers. And then even some of the wackiness is scary because it's so out there. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Barbarian was easily my favorite movie of the year. Loved it. And we we all saw that coming, but we were here for the ride of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to try and be a little more diplomatic <laughs> this year. And also you got to be like, more discreet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. Um, all right. Well, that was that was great. Another successful top 10 of we the tear table. We did Air, it. Air high, high five. five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. So honorable mentions. All right. So leading off honorable mentions, I want to give a special shout out to a Saskatoon made horror comedy that is not out yet, but will be eventually. And that's Welcome to Kitty Town. 
which was directed by Doug Lucek, who was the he runs Reyes in Saskatoon, the film yes, school that Boozy Boozy's a alumni. Shout out of. Doug. Yeah, Doug. It was written by Robert Mann, uh, who's a like a friend. I I worked with him a, a while ago at uh, at an old warehouse, and the cinematography was done by Damian Kent. It was just it was a locally made feature length mm-hmm. film. Uh, yeah, Robert co-wrote it with Darren Zimmer. And Robert also stars in the movie as Ted. So do you know Robert? Yeah, you know Robert. Yeah. We've talked about this. So we actually, they both of them, Darren and Robert came in to do a scene with us and we had to like direct them for it. And it was from a piece of the Kitty Town script. So yeah, this has been around for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've been working on it for a long time. And uh, obviously it was just, it was a huge year for, you know, with us, with the Druid's Hand and then also having Welcome to Kitty Town coming out. With all I knew about it was that Robert was involved and that it was called Welcome to Kitty Town. And when you hear that name, you don't think horror. But it's essentially the way that I I would describe it is it's like planes, trains, and automobiles meets Pixar's Onward meets Cormac, uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. So it's like a post-apocalyptic movie about people dying from what they call sludge, but it's it's a fart comedy. But I was so pleasantly surprised by how much fun I had with that movie. Like Robert is so he's such a character. He's such a nice guy. He he offered some story editing. I gave him the script for the Druid's Hand and he he offered his his uh, insights on it. And I think that he helped the script. Uh, and yeah, like so he he's technically a part of the Druid's Hand crew as well. But this is a feature length film and um, <laughs> I do enjoy my fart comedies. I like my toilet humor. And I was just. I was legitimately blown away by how much fun I had with this movie. And I think that it's genuinely good. And I know we, we played fog fest with them in Newfoundland and uh, they just keep killing it on the festival circuit. But this is one to keep an eye out for because Robert specifically is like, he he's like a, he's a Pixar character come to life and awesome, in a yeah. horror movie. Like he's so funny and so charming and like, he there's so much, so much about him that I see in that character. Obviously he wrote it he really leaned into what he knows. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Boozy, but it's, it's good. I, I really I, enjoyed I it. haven't seen it. I, I saw parts of it when we were in school, they'd show us yeah. as they were editing, but yeah, yeah well, I, I just try to check it out. Yeah. yeah and, and the reason, obviously I live across the country now, Doug was nice enough to like, he reached out after the Saskatoon independent film awards where he was finally able to see the Druid's hand and he said some really nice things. I asked for a screener. That's how I was able to see it. So mm-hmm. I wish I could have been there at their premiere, but fuck man. I genuinely, I genuinely loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. So <clears throat> that whole team should be very proud. Uh, the other films that I have on my honorable mentions, I got to wet my whistle here. Your whistle resurrection. Did you, yeah, you, you watch I resurrection? Checked, yes. I yeah. With Rebecca that. Hall. What a mind fuck of a movie. <laughs> to me, I, did you end up seeing Men? Alex Garland's Men? I, I started watching it and I, I just ended up falling asleep because I was yeah. a sleepy boy. It's not your thing. I, I know enough about you and even me. Like I love that guy's first two movies and uh, mm-hmm. men, men didn't do a lot for me. And I, I'm happy people enjoyed the people who enjoyed it. I'm pr- happy for you, but uh wasn't really my thing. Resurrection touched on a lot of similar themes. And I think nailed it. Like that was one that was, that's my first one. That's like, that was straddling number 11 and 10. Like it was scream or that. And I don't know why I felt like I needed to come to screams defense, Uh, but (laughs) resurrection was very wild. It's on shutter. The black phone. 
uh i did really enjoy the black there was a lot of hype around that film this year yeah it did really well and Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people really enjoyed it i enjoyed it it uh just was it just didn't make the cut just but it barely you know it was it was a fun movie well actually was it fun it was fun but it was so with some difficult subject matter yeah Uh, it kind of wrapped up in yeah in a like a whimsical way yeah i don't strange any any movie that has a, a actor of Ethan Hawke's stature playing yeah. that like a child molesting murderer is pretty fucking wild. So yes. uh, big, big shout out to the black phone. I did enjoy it. Uh, Fresh was one that came out of the, at the beginning of the year that I feel like kind of just got skimped over and left behind. But that one with Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan, I'm not a big cannibalism guy. Uh, this movie plays with some of that, but it was very intense and uh, comedic at times, but that was, that was a good one. You won't be alone was mm-hmm. it's kind of strange that that one's not on my list. Cause that's so up my alley. Uh, but I just, there were other things that kind of connected with me more this year, but you won't be alone. I believe that's on crave in Canada. If you want to check that out, Hellbender, which was it's on shutter and it was made by I haven't had a chance to check that one out. I really want to. I think that one might be your speed. It's made by do you know much about the Adams family? Like not the famous Adam, like no, they're they're a family of filmmakers, like a husband, wife and daughter. And they've done a couple movies now, like uh, the deeper you dig is one that they did together. They do these micro budget, like very small budget horror movies. And but they have really good concepts and they're they work together as a family with a small crew and I think Hellbender is the best thing they've done together so far. It it is like a an occult witch tale, but set in um, set in modern times. And I think my favorite part about it was the score. Like they did there, it's like kind of set around a band, and the band's okay. music was super. Like I have it on my Spotify now. I listen to it all the time. Hellbender is really cool. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I liked it. I know a lot of people hated it, but it has a bunch of Sam Raimi shit in it. I had a lot of fun watching that movie. I know it's kind of a mess, but I enjoyed it. Uh, Watcher, of course. Bodies, bodies, bodies surprised me. Um, Smile. I was very surprised by how much I actually ended up enjoying Smile. Um, I know that that was like the most successful horror movie of the year. So I feel like no one needed to come to the defense of Smile today. Uh, But it, it that one could have very well made my list. It was it surprised me, um, especially how wild the ending gets. Like it's got a very, very wild ending. Yeah, you, like we, we. I think everyone who even brought that up, like any guests we had that brought up, smile was just how surprising it was. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely my favorite parts of the movie are in the the back half. But uh, mm-hmm. there's some really good scares. I'm really excited to see what Parker Finn does next because he definitely crushed that movie. And last but not least, a movie that was straddling also my ten. Uh, should have theoretically made my list but speak no evil which is on shutter and it's just the bummer movie of the year it's that uh the big sad you know if you're a fan of movies like funny games or last year a movie that was on my top 10 was coming home in the dark these really depressing really depressing movies that kind of break down dynamics between relationships and what people do in turn in in the face of extreme stress and duress and it's uh it's very dark it's not like i'm joking when i say it was a knee slapper it's a very depressing fucking movie uh but speak no evil stood out to me this year and yeah those are those are my honorable mentions what about you boozy 
Awesome. Okay, I got a couple. Um, honorable mentions, and some of these are are films that that took a lot of shit this year. That's the kind of the first one I want to mention specifically. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't think it was that bad. I, I think that people really shit on that film and there is some really cool stuff in there with Leatherface. I just overall I understand where, where some people are coming from. It doesn't fit canonically very well and a lot of the story doesn't make sense but I think that it had enough cool visuals to make it like a decent movie. I'm going to rewatch it. I'm genuinely surprised that one's not on your list because I remember I, you really enjoyed I it. I was yeah. thinking about it. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. I'm I'm like kind of very neutral on that one. But yeah, cool. So Texas Chance, what else you got? I got uh, this is directed by Nico Van Den Brink, uh, Malak. I, I think that that is a that's a film on Shutter right now that a lot of people should check out. Um, that's uh, kind of like the the pagan kind of mythology kind of ritual film. Very cool. Very cool. I think you like that one. <laughs> I, I watched that one uh, preparing for this. And yeah, that one has some really, really intense sequences. That one's Ooh. definitely worth a watch if you have a Shutter account. For sure. Um, another one I'm going to mention that's also from Shudder. Um, and it is featuring our boy Josh Rubin in it is A Wounded Fawn, directed by Travis Stevens. Wild um, movie. Very wild. <laughs> very, very strange. If you're If you're into something that that is a little bit out there um you kind of have to ride with it a little bit it starts out uh you know fairly fairly tame overall and just turns into a very bizarre little film i think people are going to really like it um i it's it you know uh josh rubens i believe yeah josh rubens he he does he is so good at bringing little nuances to all of his characters i think that he is just overall such a fantastic actor and did a, a really good job of of bringing a, a strange element to kind of a classic idea you had to do some pretty brutal things in that movie like that yeah, that, yeah that's one for example too when we're talking about honorable mentions let's be crystal clear that like there are so many great movies that we saw this year that yes. we just actually didn't write down in time and we'll probably kick ourselves later and be like fuck we should have mentioned that because that was a good yeah. one too wounded fawn is definitely one of those for me as well um, I have I have two more I'm going to mention here quickly. So the first one is Scare Package 2, Rad Chad's Revenge. Uh, great continuation. Yeah, um, super uh, fun. Yes, that I think that's the best way to explain it. And we don't we don't get as as a horror community, like our version of fun is kind of few and far between because a lot of the stuff that does, you know, maybe it's just me being my crotchety self, but there's a lot of the horror stuff that adds comedy doesn't really you know like a lot of times it's a miss we have we do have some great films in the catalogs of yeah comedy horror but like you know i i feel like there are a lot of misses within that but this they do such a great job of of understanding us as an audience and giving us like th these ideas you're feeding us the, the back and they're like look yeah. how funny or silly this concept is and it's great you know yeah. it's it's perfect I I want to give another, yeah, adding on to that shout out, because like Paper Street Pictures had a huge year this year. They released four different yes. films and the, all of them have landed up on Shutter, which is a huge feat. And obviously we love the team behind Paper Street Pictures, Sean Talley, who's been on the show, love Sean and Aaron B. Koontz, of course. But uh, that's the thing, though, is like a lot of movies, they poke fun at, they, they think that they're 
there's a lot of these comedies that comment on horror movies that don't hit the way that scare package does. So like, even yes. if not every segment lands for you, you would be hard pressed to make an argument that they, at least they weren't uh, conceptualized and built together by people who actually understand this genre. Scare package too was uh, a lot of fun and it pulled me out of a pretty dark place right before the holidays. My, my flight was canceled to Saskatoon a couple of times and, uh, it had just dropped on shutter. So that was when I was able to see it. And it, it was, it was really fun being in that world. But like, uh, I know when we saw scare package one together in Saskatoon at the, when we first met Aaron, like that theater mm-hmm. was electric and it was just so much fun. And I and really, those wish... are the kind of experiences that you like, they're few and far between, but you really live for those experiences. Yep. Yeah. It was such a natural, like everybody was just, man. And Bryson, Bryson was there. Yeah. yeah. Bryson was there. And Bryson's laughter was like, it added to how much we love that movie. Cause it was like, yeah. his reaction was so amazing. But uh, that's the thing though, is like, especially with scare package too. The thing that I noticed is like, they're now they're diving into they, they of course want these movies to be entertaining for people who aren't just us yeah. and i think that that's what scare package 2 did really well is like they're going into like saw movies now and stuff like that where it's like people who aren't even horror fans they they know you know the concept you understand mm-hmm. the point of it and you know they're throwing it like of course the fun ass part with the bees and uh all that shit like <laughs> yeah. it's it's just really, it's really fun. And it's really inspiring seeing what the, what they're doing over there. I still haven't seen Blood Relatives, but that's one I really, really still, it's at the top of my list to see. Scare Package 2, very fun. Yeah. And the last one I'm going to mention, because it's, I don't think it's truly a horror film. It, it kind of sits in that weird in between, but we're, we're always in our, got our toes in that. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Troll, which, oh, which I is basically. It's basically Godzilla 1998. This is this is a Roland Emmerich movie in disguise. Yeah, I Mitch, you have to watch this. I think you're gonna lo- like the amount of things where I'm like, hey, that's like an homage to Jurassic Park. That's an homage okay. to literally like Godzilla 98. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, super fun film. I, I definitely recommend people check it out. It's that that larger than life. Yeah, like it. it I don't know if any other words to describe it other than like Godzilla 98. <laughs> And that's what's so fun. That's like, I love that you compare it to Godzilla 98 because Godzilla 98 is a ripoff of so many other things. Yeah. But it's got such a unique style that, you know, when Roland Emmerich touches something, it, it inherently it almost like takes over whatever it's, whatever it's trying to replicate and turns it into its own thing. But yeah, I will try and watch that one um, for our upcoming episode with Nathan Jones. I'll do that. Hell yeah. And, and I think now we can, Mitch, have you thought of any more or are you good? I I haven't had time to think of any. I just, there was a lot of movies I really enjoyed this right. year. But Okay, yeah. I just wanted to, before we get on to, because we, we we asked our, our listeners if there are any of you guys left uh, to, <laughs> to send us in or let us know what your favorites of the year are. So I have a couple pulled up if we want to talk about those and and, you know, judge everyone the way that we classically do. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So a couple are just, these are, first off, we're going to start with just comments from our Instagram. Uh, so uh, our buddy o said, Terrifier 2, fuck everything else. So he feels very strongly about Terrifier 2. Uh, our friend Lindsay Wilkins from Schlock and Awe said, Hatch, Barbarian, Sissy, and Fresh. Hatching. She's got to be talking about hatching. Yes. The one which, that we showed it. Yeah. Which I, uh, fuck, I see. I forgot about that one. That was a great, I did too. Yeah, that was and a great I, movie. That was a very fun movie and a very like peculiar 
Yeah, I fought for that one for the Dark Bridges. That was yeah, yeah, that was a super fun one. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, next one up is another uh, former guest of the show, Cassie. She's she really enjoyed Nope X and Barbarian. So now I'm gonna hit good taste. Hell yeah! So now we're gonna go over to our DMs. People were were hitting up our, our DMs and sending us pictures of their feet. We never got feet pics ever, did we? We've made so many jokes about getting them, and I don't think we ever did. Anyway, our our homie and Druid's Hand alumni, Derek, said that uh, the best, he said, hey, fuck boys, best of 2022 was Black Phone. So he really enjoyed Black Phone. That's good. I'm happy to hear that. Love Derek. And we got our big love for Derek. We got our homie, Daniel Epler, over at the Cobwebs podcast. His list. Uh, his, I haven't so, seen any of this, so I'm excited. I feel like a listener. <laughs> you are a listener. All right. So he sent me like a, a picture from his. Um, Is it feet? Please tell me it's feet. It's, fuck, it's not feet. Oh. It's a it's a goddamn uh, letterbox. But here, I'm gonna I'm gonna look. So, okay, he did a top twelve. Coming in at number twelve, fucking Texas Chainsaw. There we go. Finally hit on somebody's list. Here we fucking go. Uh, number eleven, VHS ninety nine. I forgot. Actually, that came out this year. Have I? T- I don't think I ended up talking about it. I thought you did. We no, we, I think yeah, I think I spoke to you separately. Maybe we just talked privately about it. We were kind of lukewarm on that one. I, I was very bummed out by it. Yeah, I'm happy that Daniel loved it though, because yeah, he was saying that he liked all the segments. That's great. Um, number ten is one I haven't seen. Uh, the Glorious. Oh yeah, or Glorious. Yeah, Rebecca McKendry's film about the. <laughs> it's a Lovecraftian glory hole. <laughs> I know, Hell yeah. All I, right. I know. It seems seems like something that'd be up your alley. It's on Shutter. I I still haven't seen it yet, but uh, but yeah, I know a lot of people had fun with that. Uh, the next one is the outside. The outside? I haven't seen yeah, that one. I, I haven't even heard of seen, it. Yeah, me either. Uh, well, we're poser ass horror fans. We're terrible. Uh, number eight, he has the monsters, which I forgot about that one. Too. The, Rob Robert Zombington's the monsters. Have you? Did you watch it? Yes. How is it? Don't ask me. No comment. <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Uh, next one. <laughs> me, me, Jesse, and Jason watched it uh, when we were down in LA for Scream Fest. It's it, it rubs on me. Shit's not my thing. Like, Fair. But that's... yeah, I'm, I love that Daniel loved it though, because we know how much we love Daniel at the tear table. We do so much. That's why I want uh, feed picks. <laughs> number seven is the invitation. I hadn't yet a oh, chance fuck. to check I that out yet. I for, yeah, because I remember Daniel really championing that one. And it's one of the one that was like a mainstream release that I, I missed. Fuck. Uh, number six, we have Hellraiser, of course, which yes. was on both of our lists. Number five, another one I haven't seen. Uh, Graveyard Rats. Oh, Graveyard Rats was awesome, dude. You'd love that. That's in the cabinets of curiosity. Guillermo del Toro's cabinet of curiosities. It's like, oh, okay. They have separate, every episode's a different story. Uh, dude, and Graveyard Rats is boozy. One of us. Check this out. Yeah, yeah it's on Netflix. Sure. You got to watch excited. it. That's one of those ones that you should be watching tonight. Like, that's a boozy. You, you will love that. Honestly, I'll have, I think I'm going to do that. But like, since we've had our conversation tonight, I feel like I just want to watch Prey right now. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is, this is, uh, Prey should have been list. higher on my list. Uh, number four for him was Pearl. Yes. Number three was Terrifier. Hell yeah. Two. Me and him have two in common. We have uh, both oh, you got more than that. and Terrifier at three. Uh, number 
and number one. Hey, for, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait. You, stop, stop, stop. You you cut out at number two. I couldn't hear you there. Oh, okay. Number two was Barbarian. Oh, sick. Okay. Can you guess number one? Is it nope? No, nope, I, I don't know. Not, not. It, X oh, X is his X number. One. Sure. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Great list. Yeah. So thank you for sending that in. Uh, all right. So the last one we have for Instagram ones is from our homie, big homie, Jay Luke. <laughs> Jay Luke, shout out. I haven't pre read this. So we're just going, we're flying into this. Well, nope, made my number one of my top 10 list. So I would say I love the fuck out of that movie. Then X and Pearl are such a treat from Ty West and Mia Goth this year. I'm tempted to do a double feature night with those movies again. Those two plus Barbarian and Prey made this amazing year for women leads in horror movies. Shout out to Glorious too. Damn, aside from Glorious, it sounds like me and Jay have the same list. Yeah, I I I thought he meant in Glorious Bastards and was just randomly throwing in Glorious. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that would be a that'd be a J. Luke thing. Could you imagine just randomly throwing out like shout outs to movies from other years? Yo, shout out Casablanca, <laughs> dude. <laughs> did. Deuces. And our, our last message we had here is from Bryson. And, is this an uh, email one? Yes. Sick. So this is our last one for the night. And I haven't pre-read this one either, but it looks like a juicy one. So thank you, Bryson, as always, for your juicy messages. The best. Hello, my favorite terrorists. <laughs> oh, God. It's your longtime terror taught Bryson with my top 10 list for 2022. All right. So number 10 is a movie that we haven't talked about at all, Mitch. Uh, the Sadness. Uh, I, did, I did not fuck with the, the Sadness just is not my thing. But no. I know it's a zombie Luke, film, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's that it, it's very extreme. Um, I've seen oh, yeah, is this one that's based on a comic. I don't, I don't know. It it feels like it's based off of Crossed, which is the comic that took everything that's too what I'm far. Thinking of. Yes, I, yeah, no, that's it's what I'm very similar. Of. We played okay. it at uh, we played it. I think Star or Saskatoon Fantastic, like last year, two years ago. Either way, yeah, wild movie. I know Jay Luke. I know a lot of people who love that movie. I'm just, I that's just not my thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, number nine is Smile. Nice. Another one that we've talked quite a bit about. Uh, you know, the more I think about it, like what a decent, decent different. Uh, number eight is the menu. Menu is dope in my top ten of my other movies. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Number seven, Terrifier two. So we have mm-hmm. a lot of crossover for like everybody has a good chunk of the like we all enjoy the same sort of stuff here. Mm-hmm. Number six is Nope. Number mm-hmm. five, X. Four is Barbarian. So this one's wild right here. Three, Scream. So Bryson really liked Scream this year. Hell yeah. We I love need, that. I love yeah, that. We need, we need someone too. I know Stephen Fisher also really loved it from Let's Talk About Stuff. So I'm, I'm yeah. happy to see. Yeah. Scream's but, fun. No, I'm like, I'm happy to see some love for that. Number two, which is identical to my list as well. He has Prey as his number two. And his number one is Hellraiser. That's fucking awesome. Nice. I did not realize how much Bryson liked Hellraiser this year. He must be extra horny. Good. Yeah, he's definitely a horny boy. Right? <laughs> love that. Uh, um, and then there's a little message at the bottom. So let's read that off here. Uh, and he says, then as always, I would like 
I would love to give a shout out to things I discovered because of the podcast. Oh, this is amazing. I love hearing stuff like this. Uh, there are a couple that stick out that I had never seen before, like Magic or Rogue, but nothing compares to the insanity of Prophecy. That's yes. Funny. Yeah. That bears the best thing I've seen in a while. Such a hilariously fun side once the chaos starts. Also, I'd like to give Boozy a shout out for getting me to watch Blades. That movie was just as fun. Much love, you guys. I'm extremely pl- proud of your work you guys have done, like the Druid's Hand, while still keeping this podcast going. I hope it never goes away. It's still my favorite to listen to. Love, Bryson. That oh, is so nice. sweet. That is so yeah. sweet. We we love you too, Bryson. And thank you for the awesome message and fantastic list. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, thank you for that. That's uh, that's the kind of stuff we need to keep going. That that yeah, that's the kind of stuff that that keeps keeps me happy. Yeah, just well, overall very as a nice. person. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, once again, yeah, thank you everyone for listening to the show. Uh, it was another great year. I know that we were. This was the year that we had the least amount of output. Um, Bryson even touched on it. Lots of things changed. You know, I moved across the country. The the film took up a lot of time, but. Uh, I hope everyone sees that we we didn't just ditch that we didn't ditch the terror table as soon as things got busy. We're still trying to make it work and we're still yep. having fun doing it and yep. we still are going to continue to have fun doing it. Uh, so, yeah, we got lots of fun stuff planned for the new year. I know we're going to do yeah new. We're going to do a couple new metal episodes. <laughs> so excited for new metal March. <laughs> Boozy said my favorite. He texted me. He's like, we're going to he's like, I'm going to put so much fucking new metal in those episodes. We're going to get a cease and desist. <laughs> so look forward to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about folk horror movies. We're going to we're going to just keep the conversation on horror because it's it's once again, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. It's a fun time to be a horror fan, as always. Hell yeah. Got anything else you want to say before we close up tonight, Boozy? You know what? I, I know that we're like nearly into February right now, and this will probably get released right around February. But like, I hope everyone is having a fucking rock ass solid 2023. And, you know, may this be the summer of George for everybody. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> I just got into watching Seinfeld. So like I'm doing all these references to a show that's fucking been have... gone for like a million oh, years. That's awesome. though. You have so much shit to look forward to. Dude, I watch Seinfeld like all the time now. It's the best. It's so fucking funny. And then you can Mitch. get into Curb. I got into Curb when I moved out to Vancouver, and it's the best. I, yeah, I think that's probably gonna be next Dude, on my Curb, list. Curb is fucking hilarious. Uh, Mitch, do you have any sage advice or wantings to say to all the terror terrorists, terror tots? Ter- terror tots, yeah. No, just 2023. It's a year to make our dreams come true, baby. Yeah, so, keep your stick on so, the ice. Yeah, keep your stick on the ice. Let's let's uh yeah, it'll be a great year. But yeah. once again, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. And uh yeah, we will see you guys all next time on the terror table. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>